Jim Ryan acquires retirement. And factions on ice. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, closer than ever, leaning into the camera, one Christopher Figueroa. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I say real deep into the mic. I'm doing well, buddy. How are you this week? I'm okay. It's been a long week. (sighs) Tell me about it. I'd re- the less said about work, the better. So we're going to keep mm-hmm. moving along. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast, where we talk about the gaming industry through the lens of being people who primarily play on PlayStation, but play a little bit of everything. So we will uh, compliment or I guess, uh, satirize or whatever we feel we need to do to anybody in the industry as we see fit. Uh, but we always start like to this. show off. At hey, a Brett, look, I got my series tradition. S right next to me. <laughs> 30 fps starfields over there just kidding i like starfield and i like my xbox yeah i need to start playing starfield but uh we'll get into that in here in a minute uh so we like to start the show off in a time-honored tradition of basically catching up with each other by seeing what games we've been playing so that we can give each other thoughts about what we might want to play next or put stuff on each other's radar, but also maybe so we can put things on your radar that we think you should Mm -hmm. be playing and checking out. So, Chris, um, you've been uh, in the past, as it were, this week, I feel like. I I don't mean that in any kind of a bad way. So uh, (laughs) what have you been playing? Let the people know. Well, I've been playing Titanfall 2, which has been very fun. And what did you do in Titanfall 2? First in the community to get top three in the leaderboard. Okay. Thank you. Take my applause. Take my applause. Golf clap for Chris. Appreciate that. You know, um, one-armed wolf wolf got in there. He got it after me. Took me uh, talking my shit. See, Brett. Yeah, he got the sloppy seconds. This is why I talk shit so much. Right? It's all in good fun. (laughs) It's motivation. Right? If I didn't say I was the only talented person in our Discord, he never would get that trophy. <laughs> that know? is true. So you're going to be a motivational shit talker? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just go around <clears throat> the, the entire country booking venues and ask Dude, people, are there like, look at this fucking guy. That's how I, it's, <laughs> this is a little bit of a tangent, but one of the ways I trained one of my leads who, you know, and the way my company does it is you're training the ne- a next KM, like for if I move on or they need someone else, right? Sure. So I don't like the way he gets upset with people. Right, because he's one of those guys who will tell someone to do something, they won't listen, and then he instead of like getting mad at them, he just gets pissed off and just kind of like walks away and pouts. So, so we were in the middle of a busy shift, and I just kept getting in his way, like knowing he was getting frustrated. And I'm like, "Are you good? Do you need my help?" And I would just get in the way, and eventually he just started yelling at me, and I'm like, "Good job, I'm gonna fuck off now." <laughs> I thought it was really well, so that's how I'm gonna go about it. Talk my shit. Blake, you suck. You suck, Blake. Brett, you suck. Go get the trophy. You suck. I'm just kidding. It was very I told you, you you might have inspired me to do so. I hope so. I just don't know when. Because right now you've inspired me uh, very tertiarily. So like way off in the distance. You've gotten me to where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to replay Immortals of Avium for the Platinum. Because that's the only trophy I have left. (laughs) For the, well... All the trophies I have left can be summed up in a single playthrough of just yeah. the hardest difficulty. So, yeah. Gotcha. Nice. 
Immortals is good. I haven't played it. I don't know why I said that. It was just my way of transitioning into my next game, which was uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I've been playing which a is lot good, of Cyberpunk from what 2077. I it's fantastic. We will talk more about Cyberpunk later in the show, I think. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I think when we talked about it last week, I'm doing a fresh save. Um, and I've just... I think I just started the uh, DLC, which is funny because I texted Sean, who we played Baldur's Gate with and we played Destiny with. I was like, so when does the DLC start? And it turns out I had been doing the intro mission for the last hour because <laughs> I didn't know when I could get there. So that's been fun. Um, I highly recommend it. I think you should get into it. Then, yeah, it's weird to say, but I can't talk about the other game I've been playing this week yet. So in a couple of weeks, I'll tell you what I've been playing. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Do I have access to that game? Because it looks good. No. I gave you a chance to <laughs> to grab the code. And you just didn't say anything. So I just did it. So oh, I, I looked that. at the video. Hold on, yeah, I guess no, no. I'm confused because I was thinking we'll talk more about that after yeah, the show. There's yeah, no yeah, point yeah. in doing that here. It's all right. All right, Chris. I'm yeah, glad that you some, can't talk about the other game. I'm it looks good. I can't talk I'll about it. It does much. look good. I'm I'm excited to <laughs> talk about it. Now I'm mildly disappointed in myself, but that's I guess technically <laughs> my fault. I, I misunderstood the instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, my one and only is still Avium. I mean, it, it's funny because you know, the one thing I kept seeing about that game is how short it is. And I have been playing Immortals of Avium almost exclusively for a month. And I know that half of that is just because my schedule was weird and I was playing so weirdly. But also, I guess, playing without a god and everything. I mean, I've been playing pretty naturally, decently throughout the week. And even like the past week where I've gotten to where I'm trying to rebalance my hobby, hobby stuff and my hobby, but hopes that it could be more stuff. I'm trying to rebalance all that to actually get mm-hmm. to play more games because I was really screwing that up. And just in general, I think it was having an impact on my relationships, friendships. I was just trying to do too much. So I've kind of stepped back and reevaluated that. So I've been playing more games, <clears throat> spending more time with friends and family. Um, Good for you. Healthy work. And with balance. that, I've been playing a lot of, uh, of Immortals of Avium. And I just last night got to where I was done with just the base game. So starting into the new uh, the new difficulty version, which you know, I should have played it from Immortal from the get-go, but um, A, I didn't even pay attention to the fact that there was difficulty. I didn't even remember choosing one when I started the game. Um, I guess I'm so used to not thinking about it that it just kind of happened. Uh, and of course, uh, I never look at or reference trophy gods, which brings me to a question. I'm looking at a trophy mm. guide now so that I can make sure I don't miss any of the conversations sure. that I missed out on in the first one. And there's only really one trophy guide that wasn't even up day of. So I don't think I would have been able to avoid this looking at a trophy guide anyway. I think I would have had to just outright look at the trophies and reveal the hidden ones to figure out what I needed to do. Which I don't want to do. So I'm going to say this was probably bound to happen to me regardless. <laughs> I knew to start on Immortal. I'm just saying. <sighs> <laughs> I'm what glad that you did, you happy, Chris. Brett? You want to know what's making me unhappy? Are you done talking about Immortals? Because I want to complain real quick. I am. Complain. Complain away. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But so the Dual Sense Edge, right? It's a great controller. I have one. Uh, sure. It's $200. $200. Mine's fucking broken. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, go ahead. And how that happened? broken. I don't fucking know. The, the, the little plastic here is just it's coming off. The rubber? Yeah, the rubber. 
dude. I'm about, well, to, look, ha- you know I'm about to raw dog let's, this PS5 controller. That cost me $200. Let, let's have a little <laughs> bit of, uh, of a talk about that because my red, cosmic red, or whatever you want to call it, controller, as I was playing through Avium, I noticed it's got some stick drift. First time oh, I've God. ever had a controller with stick drift besides, well, a PlayStation controller. Uh, and I had the uh, 20th anniversary Microsoft controller for Xbox that also developed stick drift when I was playing Oblivion. Um, and I, I was like, damn, what the hell? I don't do anything. Too. They sit in a drawer or on a charger most of the time. That don't, I keep them clean. And I went to use the God of War Ragnarok controller in place of my red controller because of the stick drift. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing that my circle button was sticking every now and then. And I'm like, what? I've, I literally have played maybe 10 hours total up until this week with that controller since I've gotten it. It's just yeah. been sitting on the charger, getting cleaned here and there. And I was like, how the fuck is this already sticking? It really made me mad because mm-hmm. it's just, and then I'm looking at my Spider-Man controller, which I've not used at all since I've gotten <laughs> it out of the box. And I'm like, what the fuck is going to be wrong with you? The R2 button doesn't work, which is great for Spider-Man. That would be <laughs> so funny. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting week for um, for all of that. <laughs> it has. I was, I was incensed when I saw that last night. It's literally just because you. of how expensive that controller was. It was like one of the $60, like my pink one, that would be fine. But this doesn't even have rubber on it. So you know what? I don't understand. Well, dude, this is exactly Sony, like... So. Um, I know that... Yeah, maybe you should just to see what they'll do because I remember quality control was apparently really rough at least on the first Xbox Pro Controller, mm-hmm. uh, Series 1. I don't know if Series 2 had the same issues or not. I didn't follow it that closely. But I knew a lot of people who were like, I love my Pro Controller on Xbox back when they came out. But they were like, the analog sticks are breaking left and right. This is breaking. The triggers are having issues. And it's kind of like, how the hell are you spending $200 on a controller? That seems to have problems quicker and more often than the cheaper version. <laughs> I don't... It's unfortunate. I just know I'd be pissed if I was one of the people that spent that money, you know? Yeah, I'm unhappy. That's okay. Well, I still have this theory that either for my birthday in a couple of weeks or for Christmas, I'm going to get like two or three of these. I I, I fully believe... Because here's the thing. My family doesn't ask what I... Well, my family asks what I want and I won't tell them because I don't fucking want anything, you know? If I want something, I'll buy it. And I know it, that's just how it is when I'm, you're 30 years old. It's like I can't suggest something to you because if I want it right now when you're asking me, I probably bought it. You know? Like, so yeah. I know they're going to be like, he likes games. There's this really expensive controller. I'm going to get it for him. And I'm positive I end up with at least one. At least one. But I wouldn't be surprised by two. And I'm super curious to see. If I get two, I'll send you one. <laughs> bet because i will <laughs> never buy that on my own it will not happen it's, i okay it's one of those things where i really I'm sure it's like a great it controller. i love it it feels really good i like the sticks the way you can change how the sticks press in never used any other feature on it i've never used the back buttons i've never used any of it i just i thought i would and then my hands don't work for it so it doesn't help me at all they're too big i always press the buttons in the back so Let's, well, let's hope I get my birthday present that's going to go straight to Brett. <laughs> Chris, Brett, it sounds like that you are uh, experiencing what we call a first world tragedy. I am, yes. 
Yeah. yeah. My remote just won't do what I told tell it to. <laughs> I know, dude. <sighs> Buffering slow in 720. It's not full Seriously. HD. Yeah. And you know what? I could really get this fixed if my parents' card hadn't been, you know, shut off. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. Chris, too is many voices right here? Now, I think so. <laughs> There's too many voices going on right now. <laughs> Man, this very long-winded Jared Alone's joke that like Donovan is like the only <laughs> listener I know of who's going to be like, I get it. <laughs> that's only for two of you, but for the two of you it is. You can subscribe to the podcast on all podcast feeds. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash nartech where you can spend $1 to support the show. <laughs> Get all for more bangers for like that. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Chris. I think we've talked enough about what we've played. Uh, so I how about so. we go ahead and jump into the community stake? Go for it. All right, let's see. Last week we were talking about, uh, because of Rude Days 93, uh, one of our longtime listeners and patrons, he was talking about the Capcom president, talking about game prices needing to raise, and he asked a very simple question. So with talk of game prices needing to rise, what is the highest amount you could see yourself willing to spend to get a game day one as opposed to waiting for sales or having a game be added to a subscription service? So we got... As always, a lot of answers from patrons, a few answers without. If you are a patron, as a huge thank you for your belief in the show and supporting it with more than just your time, which we're so thankful for from everyone. We do give preferred reading. So the first one comes from Matthew Green, longtime listener, longtime patron. I tend not to buy games day one. Been burnt too many times with bugs, glitches, and not what the game was made out to be by developers, etc. No Man's Sky, for example. And uh, No Man's Sky is such a wild example these days because it is a perfect example of everything he just said, or it was at launch. And that game has just gone on to be the gift that keeps giving for people that are into that type of game. But I understand completely. Um, kind of following up on that, we've got another longtime patron, longtime listener, Sir Derek. He says, strictly talking about base price of a game, I can see 85 to $90. And we're talking USD here. Um, that's about how much deluxe editions cost these days, which is what I typically go for. It's not a huge difference, but it is a realistic for a base price increase. So... I want to say one more that I think is kind of in the vein for that. And then I kind of think uh, Chris and I can chime in a bit. Uh, the ghost of Blake Popes decides to hit his computer up and wail about uh, not being upset that games are $70, but I'm far less likely to buy day one. Games are expensive and hard to make. I get it. But I also don't have $70 plus a month every time a game comes out. I mean, October and February are like $500 plus months, which is a very... Very good point and a good mm -hmm. reason as to why I think I have really switched towards buying games when I'm ready to play them with the caveat that I will buy games before I intend to play them if it's kind of like my turn in the rotation or I feel <laughs> like Chris has been lifting too much of the load or whatever it may be. That's the nature of how we kind of buy for each other yeah, <laughs> as exactly. weird as it is. So. Uh, but I think kind of getting a feel of this, a lot of people are kind of looking at that going, you know, like we get the games to maybe be more than 70. But the uh, the number that was actually thrown around in there from Sir Derek, uh, that 85 to 90, I think we were kind of talking last week. I think I think most people and even most consumers who really are big into gaming and the people who are casual who play one or two games a year will still buy those one or two games a year if they hit $80. Easier than some people probably think. I really think eighty dollars 
could be reached by the end of this generation. But I'm curious. I guess my question to you is, we've traditionally seen price increases come with new generations mm-hmm. on games. Do you think that we might, for the first time, see not only the first price increase in almost three console generations, like we saw with this one finally bumping to 70, but before this generation's up, do you think it can get to a point where we see games take another step up before the generation even ends? Um, or do yeah, you think they'll just be strategic? It. Well, I think they'll be strategic. I think it'll be, you know, I'm almost wondering if we're going to start seeing like, there's no sixty nine ninety nine version of, let's say, Alan Wake two, and it's only the the eighty dollar deluxe edition and a collector's edition, and it'll be like you get three day early access and all this kind of stuff, but that's just what you have to buy. You know, I wonder if we'll be at a point where it's like, yeah, we're selling you what the base game, but it's eighty dollars and you're getting a little bit of perks, but this is what we need to sell it as. Alan Wake's a bad example because I think that's sixty or fifty, one of those two. It is sixty. Yeah. Yeah, it's sixty. So let's say, I don't know, Assassin's Creed or Forbidden West, right? Those come out with a, hey, you can play it three days early. If you pre order, you pre order it's eighty dollars, you get it three days early. You get a suit or whatever. You get you know Altair's suit or something stupid like that, and that's just how the games start coming. Because we're, I, I, I don't think, think the, people the are weird thing to, for the, I get what you mean, but I think the problem I see with that is if that's really your only option, it, doesn't that just become the the new thing? Like, okay, well, the new release date is just three days earlier. The new yeah. blah blah blahs is this. Now I could see a weird version of where they raise the price of all games to eighty, but then they give pre-order bonuses like they used to, where it's like, well, it's still eighty, but if you pre-order it, we give you three days early access. If you don't, you can still buy it at eighty. You'll just have to play it day of actual release and kind of try and middle ground it there. But I feel like games are in a weird way already doing that, right? Like we saw Diablo Four get huge numbers of people buying the deluxe edition so they could play early. There were so many people playing early access that the servers crashed. If that doesn't yeah. tell you something, <laughs> then <laughs> a lot of the people that are going to buy that game were already in at that point. So in a, some way, I think you could probably look at the average purchase price of Diablo 4 is probably somewhere in the ballpark of $95. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We're gonna see a lot more of three-day early access for a week. And but then what's what's the terminal amount of time before the release date? You know what I mean? Before you're just punishing people, right? Like Spider-Man's Spider-Man went gold, what, a week or two ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if they were like hundred bucks you can play it literally right now? <laughs> Almost a month early. Digital only, because it's like clearly yeah. we can't get it to a disc, but here, digital exactly. only. Yeah. Pre-order on the PSN, it opens up October first. I would do that, you know? Yeah, I, I think it'd be bold to see the industry do that for a number of reasons. They're already worried about spoilers as is. You're just going to open the floodgates, and then you're going to get bad press for people being like, oh, they let these people play early and pay, and now we're getting spoiled on a game that's really known for its story. Like A game like Diablo 4 is the perfect game to kind of do early access on because most people are not playing Diablo for the story. If we're being honest, like I love the Diablo stories, but you're playing it for the min-max RPG gameplay. That's what you're doing. You're trying to figure out builds and go through. So people don't really care about that. But people are playing a game like Spider-Man, partially because you're Spider-Man, but also because they want to see this great Spider-Man story that can be impacted by seeing it early online, like some people are doing right now. Right. (laughs) But isn't that a sales pitch? 
right? Can you not see the commercial with Yuri Lowenhall and Tony Todd, you know, sitting at a restaurant? And if you're I don't poor, know, fuck you. But if you have Naji, Naji or whatever, I can't remember his last name, is sitting at the other table and he spoils Spider Man. And then Tony Todd starts laughing and Yuri Lowenthal gets upset. And then Tony Todd looks at the camera and goes, Don't want spoilers. Buy the deluxe edition. <laughs> and then Spider Man 2, $80. 10 day early what was access. that voice, Chris? Can I, can I hear that one more time? <coughs> <laughs> Don't want to get spoiled by the early access of Spider-Man 2. Why is your Tony Todd half a pirate? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not that talented, man. <laughs> you know what? That's fair, Chris. No, um... Yeah, though, that just screams of the, hey, fuck poor people. But if you've got money, you don't got to worry about spoilers. Okay. Brett, just have an honest conversation. If you're buying Spider Man. I don't even mean poor. I just mean in general, you know. Yeah, because I feel like if you're buying Spider Man on launch, you're not a poor person. You're just That's not fair. willing to spend $100 to play it three days early. Yeah, because you don't have as much disposable income. So they're basically saying, like, if you don't make this much money a month to where you can just say, fuck you, then hey, fuck you. <laughs> so he's like, send us a pay stub and we'll let... God damn it, this goddamn camera. Send us a pay stub and we'll decide if... Chris, can I tell you something? Yeah, go for it. Can I tell you about this miracle device that will save your life? Yeah, go for it. What's that? Chris, there is a device that will contort its shape and attach onto random things and it will open this jaw-like device to hold your camera so that it will not fall and it's called a webcam holder and they're available for the low price of like ten dollars on amazon uh you know podcast companies hate me for this one simple trick but (laughs) there you have it (laughs) don't just hate him yeah all right, well, as Chris fumbles there, I'm going to go ahead and finish the rest of these up real quick. We got Jehudi MD, one of our longtime listeners and patrons. He says, I've trended recently to take my, I've tended, I think is what he meant, recently to take my time in playing games. I'll be playing my backlog and then working myself forward from there, which means I won't be spending much per game. However, I will be buying Rebirth day one, and depending on the history of studio, how tops, um, how much I'm excited for a game and how much that game has to offer, I would see myself spending tops of USD 90. Beyond that, I think a game would seriously need to offer a level of playability and enjoyability, such as Skyrim Fallout 3, for me to consider plopping such amount of cash nowadays. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I'm curious about too, is I'm more curious in seeing the industry, even if it's happening by way of independent studios and um, independent studios making more AAA level games and then more even also independent developers making indie games that continue to push the boundary. I think I would really like to see the industry be bold enough to be like, yeah, we made a game called The Witcher 4 and it's got 300 hours of content if you want it. And it's super detailed and there's all these different things. But as a result, this game is $120. Yeah. And then say, hey, this game is called Immortals of Avium. It's a shooter where you play for, you know, 15 to 20 hours with some magic. There's a little bit of exploration and some puzzles and stuff. But, you know, you're going to probably be done with it in about 40 hours. We're going to charge you $60 for this game. I really want to see that 
but it feels like games feel strangle held in this need to always be this one price regardless of the quantity and or quality where it's like well i know we made this game but we're still going to be the same 70 dollars that you spent on red dead redemption 2 which had some of the best quality that you can get at some of the longest aspects of you know of content that you can get in the game but our little 15 hour story driven shooter is going to be $70 as well. It's like, eh, why? Why does that really need to be the case? Why can't we let a game like Red Dead be like, hey, we have way fucking more than an average game. You're going to pay more. Yeah, I don't know. I think at some point, then don't you start getting judged harsher? Like Probably. Like people are already freaking out about Starfield bias because it's on Xbox, right? True. And what yeah, if we true. start getting... Oh, it's on Xbox and it's a hundred dollars. The reviews aren't real, you know. Like it's just going to get to that point. But then, I feel like this is just a whole slippery slope, and I think it might be the biggest reason why we don't explore more. Is like, what if The Witcher Three was like The Witcher Three complete or Witcher Four complete edition is a hundred and fifty dollars, but you can get the main story for sixty. That would get, be really interesting. You I don't get think content packs would do for it. forty bucks each. I think the problem you run into with that idea, as much as I like it, is that how do you fragment the game to pull that off, right? You can go, you can get the main story. Well, then doesn't that mean that suddenly you have to design a bespoke version of the game that changes when it loads and how it loads and if there's an open world and if not and how much of the open world is available? I'm not saying it's impossible, but it becomes a thing where it's like, now you're making five versions of The Witcher 3. How do you score that game? You don't. That's the problem. But... (laughs) You know, I just think the sl- the slippery slope is there where it's like, okay, you don't want to pay $150. Here's The Witcher 3, but all the question marks are gone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, all the monster nests are gone. Here's the monster nest pack for $5. Here's the Bloody Baron quest for 50 bucks. You know, and you have to build your game back up. And then it's just a matter of, it's literally that meme where it was, do you remember those memes, like old meme days for the old heads here, where it was like the cheeseburger and it was like games on the PS2. And then if you see like the deconstructed cheeseburger and it's like art $2 and it's like the bun and then it's like story $10 and then it's like the burger patties, we're just going to get that except it's going to be real. But there will be people who evangelize it. It's like, oh, well, I got to play the story of Starfield for 20 bucks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I kind of get it either way. But in a weird way, we actually had exactly what I was talking about in the past um, because of the physical medium, right? So if you needed, if you had a really large game and you had to put your game on more disc and or a bigger flash memory cartridge, then suddenly you know, throw banana at monkey was like a a $30 Nintendo game. And then final fantasy six was like a hundred dollar Nintendo game. You know what I mean? It's like that existed because of the, Hey, this is a bigger game. There's more to it. Therefore we had to put it on a more expensive cartridge and we had to work more. So you're going to pay more. And it's like somewhere along that, along the line, this idea of pushing more and more towards a homogenous price zone happened. And that's why you get stories where people are equally as pissed. And I I say this strictly for exactly how it shows up, right? When you have this world where everything's being pushed towards a common price point, you get the story where someone looks at the order for $60 and they go, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Five years ago, I got... $60 
Skyrim, which was like 20 times the order 1886 for the same price. What the hell happened? And instead of being, hey, can you believe I got a 300-hour game for the same price as I used to get these 15-hour games? <laughs> and that's not the conversation that happened because as we've started trying to push games <coughs> into this thing where all games have to be the, a similar price point, suddenly people look at things and go, oh. And there's always waves within the industry. I'm really curious to see how um, Assassin's Creed Mirage ends up working out because it's coming off of the back of a 300-plus-hour Assassin's Creed game. (laughs) And this is a 100% the game in 40 hours kind of game. So Thank God, dude. It's going to be really interesting to see how it comes together. But uh, you have anything I want to add to that one before I get to the last answer here, Chris? No, I'm with you on what you said. I appreciate it. Okay. Last one here comes from Sweet Gran Turismo Jones. Uh, and I think it's an interesting uh, answer because I think it's everyone's technical truth, right? He says, obviously depends on many factors and variables, but I'll give you examples of known quantities. Gran Turismo 7 and Red Dead Redemption 2, I purchased the special editions that I knew the extra content wasn't worth the extra money, but didn't mind and have it regretted. Worth it. I'm very picky and I know what I like. I'd have no problem spending up to $200 on something if it was exactly what I wanted in a game. And I think that's everyone's real truth is that if you look at a game and you see everything about it and it looks like it's sticking those boxes for you, you'll just be like, yeah, I know I want it. If you made me pay $200 for you for it, I'd still do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Chris, you always talk about your give me, uh, what is it? Fallout five on, PlayStation for 200 bucks and and you're there day one. Absolutely. Yeah. See, so everyone has that everyone, you know, if I could go back in the past, which of course I wouldn't have the context, but I think it's such a steal that I got Terraria for free for fucking free. Dude, I felt so bad that I got it for free. I've bought multiple versions of that games. I've never even played. I bought the PS Vita version, which I played the shit out of, which was cool. I bought the PS4 version. I bought it on PC. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they deserve money because I got the game for free to begin with, which was just an absolute steal. So it's it's pretty cool to see. But I, I like that answer because I feel like everyone kind of – there's a few games that everyone can go, yeah, if they showed that, I'd pay whatever just because. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting yeah. to see. There's just tons of factors. Developers – like I think at this point, CDPR is like one of my favorites of all time. So I buy whatever they want for however much they want to sell it to me to. Or... See, but the problem is, is I feel like the only way you can change this industry is having someone of a reasonable scale like CD Projekt Red to say, like, listen, we're putting a lot of shit into this game. We feel like we need to pay more. And they may have been able to pull that off had Cyberpunk launched in the state that it's being received in right now. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if Cyberpunk launched like it is right now, <clears throat> people may be so high on CD Projekt rather they're like, fuck it. If they say that The Witcher 4 is 120 bucks, guess who's fucking there day <laughs> one? And I feel like now people are going to be like, 120 bucks? Do you remember what happened with the f- Cyberpunk? Uh, you know, but so that's that the problem really you get into. Like, who would be the person now, though? Like, who would be the developer now that people would be like, oh, fuck it. It's, it's going to be good anyway. Rockstar? No. Would it be, hey, GTA 6 is 100 bucks. Take well, it or leave G- it. GTA 6 can cost however much it needs to. That's I, the yeah, thing. Clearly. <laughs> they could sell, they could be like, 
we're selling it for a billion dollars and people would buy it. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess just like a world full of billionaires. People, but <laughs> <laughs> could so. you imagine a super exclusive GTA GTA online that's just all billionaires? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can you can kill them in GTA five. That would be really funny. Yeah. yeah. GTA online, oh, the poor edition. The poor edition. All right, we're going to go ahead and hop into the news. Uh, we've got some interesting stuff we're going to do towards the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, go ahead and tease a little bit. There's uh, Chris had the idea of all these Topster 25 lists for games going around, and he thought it'd be fun for us to kind of do that. So we'll get to those eventually. But the first piece of news here um, brings some reflection and some question from some people, and I think reasonably so. So Naughty Dog's long gestating spinoff of The Last of Us multiplayer has been met with more trouble. In an increasingly rare move, Kotaku broke some news where they revealed that about 25 people, mostly contractors and quality assurance employees, have been laid off from Naughty Dog. They report that full-time staff appear to have been mostly skipped here, as of July, Naughty Dog apparently boasted a staff of around 400 heads. Um, wildly, Naughty Dog was allegedly pressuring all employees to keep the news quiet and that the layoffs would take effect, uh, wouldn't take effect until the end of October, and the affected employees are expected to work for that time. They continue on to the interesting part. Factions is apparently on life support. The article says that while the project is not fully canceled, it is, quote, on ice, just like your favorite play. Um, <laughs> this is, so there's a lot to be said within here. And there was a question that came in, and I think we're going to kind of talk about it within the context of this question, because as this was posted in the Discord this morning, I kind of made a note, and I think Chris and I may be more in line than our initial words felt like, but we'll okay. definitely find that out here. Um, <clears throat> Jehudi, he ended up quoting something I said where I said, I'm really starting to think that Sony is going to mess with their own identity in the market with their push toward making long-running devs develop projects that aren't in the scope or wheelhouse. At the end of the day, if Sony wanted the, the Last of Us games as a service game, maybe they should have just given it to a developer with the pedigree to make it work in that space. I'd love to be wrong. The developers are happy to be experimenting in a new design arena. But if they aren't, Sony has made their name as a premier single-player publisher and attracted talent toward that. So you can't be surprised if these plans aren't going as intended. Um, and so to that, Jehudi said, that was going to be my question to you and Chris for tonight's episode, and it's enough for me as an answer. And that's how I feel. Sony is heading with their games, which is unfortunate. Whether it's too late to pivot back or that high risk slash high reward money is something they want to run after remains to be seen. And I know Chris kind of had a pushback that I I agree with in a lot of ways. There's parts okay. where it helped fill in the vagueness of mine. But Chris, go ahead and kind of give your uh, overarching statement. We'll go from there. Um, I guess my main takeaway was that <sighs> I'm not worried about Sony's future right now. Well, it's hard because I think when I went back and forth with TT Dog, it's it's more that I'm, it's not that I'm not concerned. Like I think there's no issues, but right now, if from what I understand, factions was a naughty dog decision, right? So I'm not seeing this as Jim Ryan's games as a service, uh, you know, movement is failing right now. I, I like I said, I see it as naughty dog wanted to make a multiplayer mode and then naughty dog felt how big their swinging dick was and was like we can make this better 
and then they got ahead of their skis and now they don't know what they're doing that that's just like an honest like an honest take on everything you know when bungie walks into your studio and goes this isn't gonna do it <clears throat> you know this is not you know and i've seen a lot of people say like i think you know, colin said it and i see it saw it on twitter a lot today where it's like well why couldn't it just be a multiplayer game you yeah, think. see, I didn't see that on Twitter, but I'll give you – that was my f- split of it because I, I think you're right, right? I don't think that we're seeing mass examples of Sony forcing developers necessarily mm-hmm. to work against their will. This isn't but Bioware I think what, making Anthem. You know? my, my viewpoint of what happens and, – and a lot of this comes down to we're, we're making assumptions in areas that we don't know all the specifics in. That's really what's happening, but you're right. I think if you look at it, factions seem to be something that – Naughty Dog themselves felt like they wanted to break away from The Last of Us 2 and make it a bigger game that was by itself. It was their own project. But I'm kind of leaning towards what you just said, which I haven't seen anyone say, but I do feel like it's the obvious thing. I feel like what happened is, yes, Naughty Dog wanted to make a multiplayer game. They thought of a way to make it a bigger scale. And then I think what happened is that that decision and that development plan started well before Bungie came into play. And that yeah. acquisition came into play. And exactly. what I think happened, and my assumption I'm making right now, or at least a possibility that I can see, is that the version of the game that was there was probably a fine game, well-made, and would probably attract a similar audience to what we saw with factions, but also probably with the original factions, but also probably with a similar drop-off in the long run. Mm-hmm. I think what happened is that Bungie came in, and Bungie said, well, Sony wants us to look over their games as a service thing, and this is a game that's a clear candidate for games as a service. And what Bungie said is, what you're doing right now doesn't matter if it's good or whatever. This is not going to work as a games as a service. And so I guess what I mean is that we're at we're having two people kind of at odds with each other. I think that they probably had a great Naughty Dog game and a great Naughty Dog multiplayer mode that people would have really enjoyed, but it would have suffered the exact same fate to its benefit or to its detriment that all Naughty Dog games have to where it'll get really big for a while, it'll make them some money, and then people will naturally drift off of it as other games come into the the limelight. Uh, or definitely as more games as a service type games get new seasons and new updates. And eventually this game would fail to see enough support and it would eventually just be not closed down but relegated to exactly where Factions is right now where you can go and play it anytime you want, but it's not always the most booming online. And it's not seeing any more updates. That's the version of it that I see. I see that Naughty Dog's version of the game that they wanted, and it was more in line with what a Naughty Dog multiplayer project is, most likely doesn't jive with an actual games-as-a-service marketplace. And if that's what this game is intended to be, Bungie had to make the call of, this ain't it. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I think all I'm saying there is, you could release this and probably make money off of it. Maybe not as much as you wanted, but it would probably be a successful project. And that was the end of it. But that's not what Sony's looking for right now, right? Well, yeah, and I think that's the point, right? If we're being like pragmatic, thinking about what a company would do, right? Let's say they spent $100 million on this, and then you sell 10 million copies, you know, or let's say you sell a million copies. It's a multiplayer game. So you're making... Six sixty million bucks. You haven't even come up with the money yet, and then the game dies, right? And I think that's one of the things, right? I wouldn't be surprised if what happened was uh, Neil and the Last of Us team were like, "We have this multiplayer mode we want to expand," and they're like, "Okay, but you have to make it a games as a service because it's going to cost too much money as a standalone game to just be the Last of Us factions." That's, I think, the thing, right? 
it's like yes i would love it if this was just the fact a factions mode i could spend 40 bucks on it or whatever and we could play it for three weeks and then it was over but it's not worth investing in a game that you play for three weeks and end if it had been included with the last of us fine okay that's cool but i think if you look at it from a company perspective spending however much money they're spending on this game for it not to last and not to make the money in the back end is not a worthy and worthwhile investment. That is a not a waste of money, but these companies, like we've said before on the show, they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. Jim Ryan would sell you a disc with nothing on it if you would spend eight seventy dollars on it. You know? So they're they're go they're not going to put and funnel money into a game just because it's a naughty dog game. Because here's the thing, this game never sees the light of day. They write it off and it's gone. This is what's happening with streaming, right? Willow, Batgirl, written off, gone, all that money's back in WB's pocket. So it makes sense as a company to be like, this isn't going to be sticky enough to make us any money. We've given you $100 million and you have ab- abjectly failed the directive we gave you, which is you want a standalone multiplayer game? Make it games as a service. You failed that directive. The guys we just paid $3.6 billion who do this better than anyone else have told you this ain't going to work. So we're shutting it down. Go make Last of Us 3. Yeah. And I I don't think you're wrong there, but I guess to go towards the – and I guess to say I agree with everything you just said. Mm -hmm. But to the the heart of what my original sentiment was there – is that because of the fact that we're in this era where outside of Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2 is like the only thing that we truly have on the horizon right now that we nice. know and <laughs> that we know and we see and we think yeah that feels like a traditional PS4 <clears throat> big AAA story driven this is what I think of when I think of a Sony game right mm-hmm. and I think the problem with that right now is like we can assume that of Wolverine but Wolverine seems to be a good ways off Right? Yeah. We haven't really seen anything else on it. Most of what we're hearing about and all the chatter around PlayStation's internal studios are these games-as-a-service games, which is not something that they are really known for. And we've even heard remarks come from not necessarily Jim Ryan, but like, um, I'm trying to think of the, the name of the guy, um, Herman Holst, Herman where Holst. he was talking like, the majority of their projects that are in development right now within PlayStation Studios are games as a service oriented. He called it like a 60-40 split with 40 in favor of the, or 60 in favor of games as a mm-hmm. service. And I do worry, like, is that going to mess with, again, their identity in the market? Sony's identity in the market against all odds was look at this company who is still just making single player story driven games in a time where we're being told by all the other publishers that that doesn't work. And they're being, they're reaping huge reward from it. They're getting big remarks and 10 out of 10 scoring games and some of the highest Metacritic games that we've seen in years. And then they followed up with games as a service. And you could look at it two ways. I think you could look at it like maybe they'll do for games as a service what they were able to continue doing with story-driven games. But I think if anything, Sony's showed you, Sony's been trying games as a service. And I know that's the new word for it. But in some way, Sony's been trying to make games that you will play forever and that they can update forever for over 15 Ever. years. <laughs> And it's yeah. never worked. It, it, well, the only time it has worked is in mobile, which is the type of market that that tends to do better in than console anyway. Um, 
So it's it's interesting to see because I'm not sure that Sony's identity in the console gaming space needs this on it right now. But like you talk about with the young guard coming in, how much of that is Sony trying to be like, we've been catering to the same guard for, you know, two decades almost. And we've got to start pivoting our way out of that and transition for, so that when these newer people come in who aren't as into this, we have a foundation and a, a plan ready to go. Um, I don't know. What do you think of that? I think it's a take I agree with and is also short-sighted. Because um, How so? One, I guess what part of it's short-sighted? I don't. The fact that you, I to me, I guess I'll just explain this in a different way. I guess maybe you you can see if you agree with my uh, initial take because I don't necessarily know how to put it in words. But okay, good. My thought of this is kind of, and this is going to be one of my you know patented weird analogs here. But this, the games as a service push reminds me of in baseball a baseball team resetting the luxury tax, right? And what that means is they spent above the luxury tax, which gets you a bunch of penalties. And then you go under that luxury tax, and what happens when you go under is those penalties are gone and you can spend back up, right? So my thought with the games as a service thing is kind of in that sense where right now they're making games as a service because if one of those games as a service hits, right, if they get one Fortnite out of the 10 games they're making, Sony is a different company. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. All the preamble there. I'm not gonna lie. You're over here talking about luxury tax, and I'm thinking, <laughs> are we talking fucking monopoly? It will, the, if you know baseball, <laughs> that will make sense, and that was the easiest way for me to form it in my head. But the well, thing sadly, I'm saying, Chris, is, I don't know baseball, but continue. Yeah, I'm not talking <laughs> to you. If you do know baseball, no, I'm just kidding. The point I'm trying to make is that if you spend right now right on a games as a service game and one of those hits and you're making Fortnite money or even you know apex money you know what i mean that you have that kind of revenue stream then you would hope in an ideal world all that money goes back into the studio which is what i was kind of trying to get at right is once you once you get over this hump of resetting the luxury tax and having a shitty shitty year and a shitty year to us is a bunch of games as a service games that we don't want to play. But once those are through and if you get, if fair games or Concord hits and it's a great game and it does what Sony wants it to do, then that's a huge revenue stream that is just reinvested back into the last of us three, or I don't know where this came from, but I saw Eye of Polaris for from Naughty Dog, I, it, that was apparently the games they're working on. It's called Eye of Polaris and The Last of Us Three, whatever. But the, the point I'm making okay. is that money go, being invested back into those studios just makes those games better. And I think the one big thing that we're missing is Sony is, as far as I can tell, for the most part, outside of maybe factions and MLB 23, the show is doing this outside of their first party. Haven, Deviation. Well, um, they're first party now, but yeah, outside you of know their, what I meant. their yeah, pedigree. They liked the you game know, and bought running. it. Um, yeah. Firewalk. What was the other one that they, they, they've done it with? It was Deviation, Deviation, Collapsed in on itself. Um, 
fucking foam stars you know like they're going outside of their internal studios and they're paying new startup studios to make them games and they're also doing that with single player games supposedly that bates motel thing that we've been hearing about i can't remember do you remember the studio i'm talking about I, no i don't i'll look I don't it up when I'm, about that. I'm, I'm, i'll look it up when i'm done rambling but they're <laughs> they're making a single player horror game. They're the the guys who have super massive talent behind them, and it's supposedly mm-hmm. a horror game. Project codename Project Bates. That sounds like a single player game, yeah. Right. So Sony is supplementing everything we're do they're, everything they're doing with single player projects. I think when you look at sixty forty, you know, I don't know that he's saying it's a sixty forty split where the games coming out of our internal first party world renowned single player studios are games as a service. But we're talking about Sony San Diego's next five games. We're talking about um, Deviation's game. We're talking about Haven's game. We're talking about Firewalk's multiplayer game. That weird um, fucking Pixel Opus game. Oh, no, that got canceled. Never mind. But you know what <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to say? Canceled. They're doing it. I think yeah. they're doing it a lot outside of the studios, which I think is really, I think should kind of put at ease a lot of people. It's like, yes, they want games as a service because obviously you want games as a service. Even if they're small scale, right? I'm sure Sea of Thieves is doing great for Microsoft, just as I'm sure Grounded is. But that's what they're looking for. They're looking for those extra revenue streams. And you don't... The sad part is, as much as we like Dad Simulator and Horizon and Killzone and all of these things, you buy them once and it's over. Hmm? And there has to be something well, you in your buy them again that keeps with the director's money. cut. Okay, for sure. That's an extra 10 bucks. There's your microtransaction <laughs> in your single player game. But Bam. even that, even that is just once, you know? Yeah. Look at Marvel yeah. Snap. Obviously, we've talked about this. I'm a whale. Yeah, they Me want you to buy that $25 ship bundle. Right. Actually, it's exactly. more than that. It's like $28 or some shit. Dude, I like Sea of Thieves, but I'll tell you right now. And I'm clearly I don't speak for the market, but yeah, you're right, Chris. They want to find the fit, the, the five thousand people that will spend twenty seven dollars on a ship bundle yeah. once every three months, on top of the fact that they're paying for Game Pass, instead of worrying about finding a million people who will spend sixty dollars on the game once. Exactly, and that's I yeah. think why this push is so big. And I really do think it's important for Sony. This is not Microsoft who has U.S. Army funding. You know, <laughs> this is we're, they're not the same company. Sony has to do this, whether it works or not, and whether you like it is one thing. But I do think that this is a necessity when so, we just talked Chris, about can game I ask prices you something? going up. Yeah, hit me. A lot of people are talking about right now, right in the game space. Uh, David Jaffe was talking about this not long ago, and a, a bunch of other people have br- have been bringing it up. I think Peter Molyneux of uh, Linehead originally, yeah, you know, fuck that guy. He, <laughs> sure, he's an ass in a lot of ways, but. To what all of them are saying is that uh, the industry has continued to grow in a way in which risk are not worth it. And that, you know, used to doing a, a, a sequel was like frowned upon unless you were really going to make a big change and do something interesting and blah, 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 all these different things. But uh, what I'm really getting at is they're talking about risk much in the way that we're talking about the games industry and its story-driven things, right? And this idea of of what it is or what it was. Do you think that the risk in the game industry has moved from being about being a risky single-player game and what you're going to do within the game that's weird? Do you think that risk has shifted to 
now it's that we're taking a risk on making a bunch of games as a service games in the hope that one sticks. And that's the new risk for games and that they've just shifted them completely away from single player games and shifted it to this multiplayer sphere where it is high risk, but high reward. Cause in the reality, there's not a lot <coughs> there. It's very rare, even probably more rare than high risk, high reward on uh, games as a service titles that a, triple a story driven style game is high reward in the same way that a Fortnite is, you know what I mean? Or that Fortnite's crazy. It's kind of a hard example, but even as a PUBG is, we'll use that as an example, yeah, right? PUBG was example. a fucking smash success, but it didn't hit Fortnite heights. So, you know, the last of us two did really well for Sony in a lot of ways. It clearly had some other stuff going on, but even a game like The Last of Us, one of The Last of Us 2, which is a smash success in many ways, is nothing in comparison to what you get out of a risky multiplayer game. Um, so do you think that risk has just kind of relocated within the industry and now the risk is all about trying a gamble on a different format of game rather than necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel within single player? <laughs> Games as a service feels to me like betting on penny stocks, hoping that you hit big. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like single player games is like, yeah, I put, I put seventy bucks into Coke this week, and I'm gonna get every month. I'm gonna get twenty five cents for that seventy dollars. Right. That's that's what it. That's what these two are. And single player for Sony is the bread and butter. It's the Coke. Like I just said, it's the Coke. It's the Procter and Gamble. Right. But you know, buying the games as a service game, like buying stock in, Fi in Firewalk is basically like buying stock in Ring before it got big or Uber before it got big. You're pretty sure it's a good idea and you think people are going to adopt buying a car, some random person to come pick you up and take you to your destination on the phone, but you're not sure. But then, oh, look, yeah, Ring hit, Uber hit, you know. Right now, they're taking bets on Uber and Ring, and we're at the infancy of those companies. This is before Uber or Ring got bought by Amazon. You know what I mean? So that's <laughs> that's where we're at right now. And the thing I find the funniest about this, right, is Sony gets dragged over the coals for all their games are cinematic movies with a third-person over-the-shoulder perspectives of a dad taking a child somewhere. And then Sony's like, yeah, we're, shif <laughs> we're shifting away from that, and we're going to try making some multiplayer live service games. You're like, no! Where's God of War 17? You can't have it both ways. <laughs> you can't. Like, if you want them to make a shooter, it's going to be a game as a service. That's the, that's the industry now. right? You're not going to get Resistance 1, 2, and 3. Those games didn't do well. I'm sorry to tell you. Okay, this it rem this reminds me of people who are like, "Where's the Metroid game?" It's like, well, those games have sold a grand total of a hundred copies total. So you know what? That's why we didn't make any more Metroid games. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. You know, Resistance failed, Killzone failed. It was that when when games were cheaper, you could you could sell two million copies of Killzone. Be like, hell yeah, that was great. You can't sell two million copies of Killzone now. Yeah, you got to sell well, 10 million. <laughs> it goes back to I remember when the Konami conversation was happening, and even legacy titles like Metroid is a good example uh, for Nintendo <laughs> because there are IP that everyone pretty much in gaming knows. 
Yeah. But they hardly ever get new entries. And when they do get releases, it's almost always, hey, here's the classic game that that select few of you really love that you can now access again on a newer system. And it's never, you know, seldom is it, hey, check out the new Castlevania we're doing. Right. You know, because the reality of it is, is that everyone knows what Castlevania is. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much everyone knows what Metroid is. Everyone knows what Metroidvanias are. Right. But the reality of it is, is despite being amongst the most well-known IP in the industry, if they release a brand new Metroid today, right now, it's probably going to sell, if it's lucky, a few million. Yeah. Look, I'm begging. I've been begging on the show for a new Jet Set Radio future. Yeah. A new Jet Set of any kind. You know what, though? The reality is I'm still waiting for reviews, <laughs> Like even if I do get it. And that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like these game, Games are a risky business. And... You know, it goes back to the conversation last week where, and I, I don't mean to cast aspersions on you because I totally sympathize with where you were coming from, right? But when you don't support the dev- devs with microtransactions and you don't pay, you know, you, you don't want to put money in and it's, I hope this game comes to Game Pass and I hope this game comes to PS Plus. These are all things that are deleterious to the industry, whether it helps the consumer or not, you know? Sure, my $100 every once in a while, the Marvel Snap, or my girlfriend's $10 when she buys the Battle Pass, that doesn't make that doesn't make up for the development costs. But what does make up for it is me and 50,000 other people spending $100. And everyone buying the season pass because guess what? Elsa Bloodstone's out today and the meta is changing. So buy the season pass so you can get Elsa Bloodstone. That's how this stuff works. And that's why Second Dinner can do anything they want. And that's why Apex can do anything they want. That's why Fortnite gets Travis Scott. It's not because a ton of people play Fortnite. It's because a bunch of people pay the fuck out of Fortnite. Okay, Travis Scott makes money off those skins. <laughs> like that's the reality of all of this. Sony makes yeah, money it's a self feeding loop at that point, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that's the thing. If game, de- I feel like the games industry has a very adversarial relationship with the customers now, where everyone feels nickel and dime, and you are being nickel and dimes, right? Mm-hmm. Marvel Snap ten years ago would be on disc, and all the variants that I bought would be already there. And I'd have to unlock them through gameplay. But that game would probably cost the equivalent of $80 now, and it wouldn't be online. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it probably costs them a million dollars to develop it, where I'd be willing to bet it's probably, you know, that's by the end of its life cycle, it would have cost them millions and millions of dollars to make this game. But the microtransactions and people supporting the game will offset that, make them money, and then the next game they do, DC break leg, will be a will be a smash hit just as much. So this future comes because we don't want to spend money. And I'm not sitting here, you know, throwing subliminal messages at Microsoft. I don't really give a shit. Because I do think that consumers need to look out for themselves and do what's best. But I think it does come to just the fact of if if as many people who want a PlayStation handheld right now bought a Vita, we'd have another PlayStation handheld. <laughs> if if Not everyone wrong. who was like, oh, I really wish they'd make a new Legacy of Kane had bought the original Legacy of Kane, we'd have another Legacy of Kane. You can't say these things and then be upset that you really liked the emulated version you played on Dolphin of Legacy of Kane. <laughs> so now there's no more Legacy of Kane's. That's not how this works. <laughs> I'm not going to sell you a cheeseburger if nobody buys cheeseburgers. 
It's just how life works. At my job, we revisit our menu every every uh, season. And we go, okay, the mac and cheese isn't selling. The cucumber salad isn't doing well. The Middle Eastern bowl is not doing well. We get rid of that shit because it's not doing well. That's how this. That's how all industries work. All of them. And, DeLorean, and undoubtedly, though, Chris, right? <laughs> yeah. Undoubtedly, someone comes into your restaurant who hasn't been there in a while, mm-hmm. and they go, you got rid of the Mediterranean Bowl? I love the Mediterranean Bowl. That's 100%. And then you know what? The company is going to go, well, you still have the product in-house, so make them the Mediterranean Bowl. So – <laughs> you know, we go, <laughs> we go back and forth on all of this shit. Yeah, but, yeah. But the reality of it is, and again, I'm on a soapbox here. I'm just kind of going. So thanks for letting me have my time. But the reality just is, you have we have to support the industry has to support the gamers in a lot of ways and the people buying the products. But the people buying the products have to be a little less selfish. And again. You're more than welcome to be selfish. I'm not sitting here telling you you need to be me and spend hundreds of dollars on the game you already purchased or the game you got for free. But I am saying stuff like this is a direct result of less money going into their pockets, whether that's inflation, whether that's you not buying microtransactions, or whether that's you being like, I'm only playing Game Pass games. I'm only playing PS yeah, but there's Plus also games. there's also a general like chicken and egg situation with the game with the buying microtransactions. Uh, are not buying them. And the, what I mean by that is like, at the end of the day, they're the ones making the microtransactions. If yep. I'm not buying them, why do they keep making them? To, like, does, Isn't that a good example of the of us being like, yeah, as a whole, we don't really like that. But instead <laughs> they go, well, yeah, fuck the 7,000 people that didn't like it. The 10 people that really liked it, they're good enough for us. And yeah. that's kind of where it's at. And, but it's true. So I guess to that point is it's like, in a weird way, this feels like a cycle of pushing it to where the industry is almost being determined by very small but very devout and willing to spend a lot of money group of people because that is where the majority of the money is. So you follow the money and it just turns out that for some reason right now in the industry, the money is hyper-focused around – and I clearly am being a little – uh, small scale here and compared to what it really is. But you look at something like that and you go, if Fortnite can get 500,000 people to spend at least $120 a year on the game, then those 5 million people, whatever it is, 500,000 mm-hmm. people, those 500,000 people will inherently control the way that the industry works because the industry is going to chase that money. And then the rest of the industry is not going to act like those 500,000 people. And that's why you get games like Radical Heights and all these different things that just come, try and break into that, fall off, and then the cycle just keeps continuing. And then finally, like you say, one game happens to work. It lands, and then those 500,000 people either shift away from the one game or you get really lucky and maybe find 200,000 new people and 300,000 of those people come over to your game. And bam, we're right back at somewhere around the same level of people as the audience just rotates in and out of people who are into it at the time, people who have the money, people who have the care, or people who are aging out of it versus people who are aging into it. And it just seems like the industry gets led by that because it's where all the money's at. And I don't even begrudge it. I understand it. It just sucks. Look, there's a lot of, <laughs> I think there's a lot of things, but I think if you don't want microtransactions, games should cost more. But people don't want games. Which to cost I am more. perfectly fair of. Right. Yeah, fair I'm for. totally there. 
right? Yeah. I'm with you. And then that's but, why it sucks to us is because we're we're on the I'm of the person. Like I said, at this point, dude, I've still been playing words with friends. I would fucking gladly, I would pay you $120 to never have to watch an ad again. <laughs> but I want it to be one fucking time. I do not want to pay you $10 a month. I will not fucking do it. See, but I would just tell you to pay it once I'm, and then cancel I'm, the subscription. About, and then pay I'm it again. I'm about to just cancel, cancel the, the game. I'm just about to stop playing the game entirely. And that's yeah. funny because realistically, their, their their actions are pushing me away. But because enough people are either watching the ads without complaining or are paying for the no ads without complaining, they don't really care. Yeah. I mean, I, we're getting to the point of rehashing last week's conversation. But again, it's, no, you're right. It's you're the right. same thing with that. It's you're not paying the $10. So the ads are paying that $10. Like, that's just the reality of it. <laughs> Well, I think the the real reality is that they'll never make a version that subverts, even for the person who's willing to pay the grossly high one-time payment, they'll never do that because there's still more money to be made from people who will either gladly take the ads that they make probably mm-hmm. more money than anything off of. And then if you don't want the ads, they're going to make sure they get the, a ton of money from you out of it, just right. for that game's example, right? So they're never going to be like, well, if you really hate ads, we can, we'll let you pay a one-time charge. They'll just go, no, fuck you. You either play the game or not, and at the end of the day, we don't care because we have enough people doing one or the other that it, that it's making us. Yeah, boat and a lot of, money. of this is so. just as much on the game devs. Fallout seventy six. Oh. I know people love that. You know, shout out Blake Popes as usual, but I know people love that game. But that that game, I think, in for a lot of in a lot of ways, is the reason that Microsoft was able to swoop it and buy them. You know, because that game flops. 100%. So it's it's just that, man. You don't want Microsoft to buy everything. Buy every video game in existence. Buy all of them. <laughs> every game right now. PSN store, put them all in your cart and hit OK. Don't even look at the price. Save the games industry. One total purchase of the PSN store at a time. You know, it is funny. I thought about this the other day. Um, four years ago, mm. everyone was worried about Tencent buying up the industry. When ironically, in that four years, Microsoft has bought more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to buy more. And they're going to end up going third party and it'll be fine. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to keep going uh, with not just a ton of news. So the next piece of news, Jim Ryan stepping down as CEO of PlayStation and retiring at the end of the fiscal year in March of 2024. In the interim, Hiroki Totoki will be stepping in to his role. Jim sent out a long thank you to the PlayStation consumer base, but it appears that the struggle of living in the UK and working in the USA was taking its toll on him. We wish Jim luck with his future endeavors. Uh, Chris wrote that. I mean, I ultimately do. Oh, wish you're him just luck. like, Chris wrote that. In my opinion, fuck Jim Ryan. <laughs> no, ultimately, I'm jealous of anyone who gets to retire because it's looking like retirement age is getting pushed further and further for our generation. Um which is not great. Uh, <laughs> I want to retire and live my life sooner, not later. But that's, uh, you know, I don't necessarily get to control that. Start doing some crimes, dog, because that's the best way at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's good for him that he's getting to retire in his 50s. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds that's like insane. he's clearly he's made a lot of money for PlayStation. It's worth plenty. Um so this is an interesting thing. You know, at first it came out as this big thing of like Jim Ryan stepping down and 
it wasn't it first said that he's going to be retiring. And so when Sony confirmed it with him being uh, retiring, kind of came into view for a lot of people. And we get an interesting question here. Uh, so Joshua Lago, as some of you may remember from his short stint on a, a podcast called Midweek Matinee, um, he asked, is there anyone you would want to see take Jim Ryan's place? And can I secretly hope it's Reggie Filsame? So you, you can, can definitely secretly hope yeah, it's Reggie. I was going to say the exact same thing. You can definitely hope uh, for that. If it is Reggie, first of all, clearly it won't be. It but if it be. were Reggie... Uh, that would be the funniest thing in the world for Sony to sue Kevin Butler because he was in a Wii commercial, but then end up with the president, the former president of Nintendo. That is misinformation. He was in an AutoZone commercial that had a Wii Holding a it. Wii commercial. You're right. <laughs> yeah, he had a Wii. He just happened to have a, 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 another console in his proximity inside of Don't an AutoZone. underplay how pathetic that was. <laughs> yeah. It's even more pathetic than you thought. Uh, wouldn't that be so funny if that was like Sony's like, ha ha, we got you, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Try and have Reggie an ad with our Nintendo. guy. <laughs> that would be so funny. Uh, but no, really speaking there, uh, if we're going crazy dreams, I don't think he wants to roll. And I think this is clearly shared by a lot of people. I think of the people left at PlayStation, if I was going to see somebody coming into this role, it would either be Shuhei Yoshida, Yoshida or uh, Scott Rohde. Yeah, Most people don't even know Scott Rohde anymore because he's not nearly as out in front of people like he was in the PS3 and early PS4 days um, and even the Vita days. And that's unfortunate because I really like Scott and he clearly has that. He understands obviously, because he's one of their uh, producers. He you know, oversees development of all their different games, checks in on things. And um, I think he clearly knows what makes a good game for the majority of the industry. And I think he also clearly understands that it's a business that needs to make money. I would love to see him. I think Yoshida also has just a passion about him. And so I guess the answer that you go to in this situation is I would really like to see someone who will probably never see as head of PlayStation again. And that is someone who is clearly passionate about gaming. But here's the problem. Being passionate about gaming means that you are going to more likely err on the side of the consumers and the player base than you will on what's going to be best for your company to make money. And that is why you get something like the Jim Ryan, Sean Layden situation, where it seemed like Sean Layden was far more willing to do what he thought was going to give good word of mouth and good PR and good feedback and be beloved by gamers Whereas Jim Ryan was like, no, cutthroat, whatever we've got to do to make a bunch of money, we're going to do. And Jim Ryan has been excellent, excellent in that regard. Say what you will about Jim Ryan. I don't care. You can talk shit about anything he's done. Sony and PlayStation in specific have made so much money since he's taken over that it doesn't matter what you think about him because you're still paying the money. That was that's been my big takeaway is people are clowning on Jim and I'm like that man did a phenomenal job. I don't know why people give him so much crap. Like a, a big talking point I've seen is like oh the whole Xbox thing. I'm like he killed it. He nearly single-handedly destroyed that deal. <laughs> Dude, say what you will about him, but I have said from day one when he had that thing of I don't want a new Call of Duty. I just want to block your merger. Dude, 
I mean this. I don't even mean that I agree with him. I don't particularly care one way or the other. But do you know how much of a boss ass thing that is to say? People at Sony were like, we hired the right fucking guy. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can make fun of a lot of things with Jim, but the reality is like he was a force for the PlayStation brand, whether you liked them or not. Yeah. He made the the game stronger. Forget when he came in there, everyone loves all the other guys, but nothing, nothing. The PS4, you know, I personally think that was happenstance that the Xbox just blowing it, you know, that Jim Ryan took that momentum and made it made PlayStation massive. And I'll always respect that. I don't want another CEO. I just want you to enjoy your retirement, Jim Ryan. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, expect a businessy businessman. And you know what I think further cements that the death of E3. E3 used to be where you'd see the CEOs come up on stage and talk to you and you wanted them to be people who were kind of lively and eclectic and would feel to some degree like they understood the gamers and the consumers because that's such a gaming oriented event that brings a lot of people in. So you want that. But the CEOs are so distanced these days from the actual hardcore community that all that really matters is whether or not the overarching group of people who are the more general consumer are buying in. And if the moves that the person is making are facilitating more money to be made through that. And since we don't see Jim Ryan in almost anything anymore, it's real easy to just be like, Oh, when you do see him, you see him. But other than that, you don't think of Sony the way you used to. I I, I mean, I I hate that because I used to love that I viewed PlayStation as just like they're for the players and they're doing all these great things that are in the favor of the consumers. The reality of all that is, is that it was a bit of column A, a bit of column B. They had the right people in the right positions to make those calls. And those calls just also happened to be for the best of the industry at that moment. But believe you me, if it would have been ideal for the industry and if the industry would have all took on and ran with it, Sony would have also done everything that Xbox was talking about doing with the Xbox One if they thought it was going to actually benefit. They would have had pushback from the people in there. I believe that. But at the end of the day, they would have done what had to be done. And that's the that's the world we're in. So I would love to see a CEO who is more relatable. But I, I guess my flip side argument to that is I know a lot of people like Phil. And I don't even mind Phil, right? Phil Spencer for Xbox. But I'll say one thing about Phil. What I don't like is that Phil seems like Two-Face in the sense that he's talking to you and you're like, this guy's cool. He gets it. He's a gamer. He's playing. He understands what we want. Awesome. And then the next, you know, the next time he says something, you're like, well, that doesn't fucking align with what he said at all. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the next time or the time when action actually happens. So when he goes, we want more people playing more places and you go, great, that sounds awesome. And then he goes, also, you have to pay to play free to play games online. Well, that seems like it's in direct contrast to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're buying Activision. We want to make sure that everyone can play our games on any system, regardless of where they want to play. So we're going to take all of our games off of PlayStation entirely if we get Activision. (laughs) Huh. That sounds not right. You know, and... Again, like Chris and I said, it. I guess what I'm saying is I would almost rather have a cutthroat businessman 
who's just like, yeah, we're, we're buying Activision. We're clearly buying Activision because we want their mobile department. But as far as console goes as well, we'd be stupid to let the, the games go everywhere when we could strengthen our console presence by making those games exclusive. So that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I'd at least be like, damn, that's tough. But I get it. Fair. Thanks for telling us. Yeah. You know, it's like you wouldn't be happy about it, but you'd be like, okay, I begrudgingly accept. And so I don't know that I have a real answer that I think is realistic. Chris, do you have someone that you think actually might work? Um, it's going to be some name you've never heard of who works at Sony. That's what Yeah, it it's not going to be anyone we're even talking about. But my, my idea I think would be Herman Holst. Seems like he's been building towards that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring uh, Shannon Studstill back. Maybe. Don't think so. Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I bid you adieu, Good question, Mr. Ryan. Though. Yeah, we bid you adieu. Uh, before view. we get on to the rest of it, there's a question here that I think is pretty... Uh, it's going to wrap all this up nicely. So, Rude Days 93 patron says, Back on uh, June 8th, on that show, I asked you guys a question as to what word you would use to describe your feelings on PlayStation Studios' future. Both of you said intrigue with the information you had, and Chris was leaning more on the optimistic side of intrigue. My question now is with Jim Ryan leaving, with how Factions is on freeze right now, has your opinion changed any? No. No, but I think we kind of answered this question already, right? Like... That's what I was going to say is I feel like my opinion has changed, but I think it's changed in a way where my perception of the industry has continued to change throughout this year. And I'm becoming more and more aware of the fact that what we've said to some degree all along, this is a business. And ultimately what I want and what I think is best for my enjoyment of Sony is at sometimes in direct contrast to what Sony is thinks is best for them and their ability to continue this brand. And eventually we have to reconcile that. So to that end, I'm still, I think intrigue is still the perfect word to use. I would just say I'm truly in the most neutral position of intrigue right now because I have some worries, but I also see very big potential like Chris was talking about with what they have going on. And the real reality is until it becomes clear one way or the other, whether or not games as a service is going to kill or help them bolster the single player games that they do put out, that will probably be where my intrigue starts to swing more positive or more negative for my own personal like of PlayStation. But for right now, I think Jim's leaving on a high note. If anything, if I had to change my answer right here and say anything, as crazy as it sounds, Jim Ryan leaving might actually lean a little more towards the negative because, like Chris has said, like him or not, he has been a force for PlayStation. So whoever comes in either has to really come in ready to swing and get, get picking up and keep this momentum going, or they run the risk of backstepping at a time when Microsoft is really trying to push their foot in the industry. Yeah, said it beautifully. That's basically so. exactly what I would have said, so... There we have it. All right, so we're going to go through some rapid-fire news real quick. We have statue maker Gaming Heads out of China has indicated that Sony has revoked their licenses from them and required all stock of PlayStation products to be destroyed. They gave a lengthy explanation that was terribly written, by the way, and suggested contacting a specific woman at PlayStation about refunds. Bold. Insane. Bold. (laughs) Hey, 
I know that we're destroying everything because Sony told us to. So I suggest that you reach out to Sony and tell them to give you your money back. Listen, this clearly screams to me as a thing where we're seeing one side of the story. And the problem with this story is we'll never see the other side. Never will. Ever. Sony has enough litigation power to see this buried into the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there is that party, right? His his claim is that Sony has already made the royalty monies off of this Mm -hmm. and then are telling him to delete the stock. So he's going to lose double because he's paid into their royalties. They won't pay it back. And he's having to get rid of his stock and not be able to sell it. Um, Quote, I Observation number one, the statues look like a statue website where they say one thing and then you get it and they look kind of like crap. If that's not the case, then good on you. But I I looked at a lot of people that were saying they've ordered stuff and been waiting for over a year. So this just sounds like limited run games on crack. Yeah. Also, this is coming from China. Why do they even give a fuck about it? (laughs) (laughs) Why do they even give a fuck about the copyright or license agreements? They sell stuff all the time without any kind of copyright or licensing. Yeah. That's why you get that downward dog Tifa statue. Like that stuff only <laughs> happens because no one cares. You know, Square yeah. Enix did not allow that. So 100%. Um, um, my only thought is that uh, I would like to hear the other side that I'm not going to hear because quite frankly, I don't trust these guys. It doesn't make s- like, it's not me trying to defend Sony. Because this is is the way this, if you just look at this on his face, this looks negative for Sony. But Sony was selling these guys' product on their own personal website. So clearly these guys did something they're not saying. Maybe. Or maybe Sony did that for a bit and then then it became obvious that exactly what I said, the quality or quality control or the speed of service was hitting a point where Sony thought, if we continue this relationship and let it be an official PlayStation thing, it's going to weaken our position within this side of the industry and make us look worse. We need to kill it off before it grows anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, sucks. Hope you didn't order anything from them. If you didn't... You'd probably still be waiting anyway, so who knows? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) All right, next thing. FIFA is officially dead. All versions have been delisted from stores, making them only playable if you already owned the titles. That's kind of wild. If you asked me 10 years ago when I was working at, you know, or I guess 11 years ago at this point, when I was working at GameStop, if I ever thought FIFA would go away, I would have thought you were out of your mind. And here we are. Well, look, FIFA did not go away. It's called EAFC, and it's out in a couple weeks. It's just renamed. But the FIFA name is so big and so ingrained in that franchise that I'm very curious to see how well EAFC does. This is going to be an interesting year for sports because we're finally finding out that Tom Brady was the good one and it wasn't Bill Belichick this year. And we're also finding out that we're also going to find out if FIFA was the reason it was doing well or if it's because of the game. It'll be super interesting to see all this stuff come to pass. It will. If only we had gotten exactly what you were talking about, and whenever the MLB came to Sony, they were like, yeah, fuck you. We're just going to make a, a, a baseball yeah. game, and that would have been super interesting to see. Like, yeah, hey, we're just going to make a baseball game. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? It's got metal <laughs> bats in it. <laughs> We've got three Ooh. players, and they're all... It's David Ortiz and fucking Pokey Reese. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Interesting to see, but... uh 
RIP FIFA. I mean, we knew the day was coming. Rip. Rip. FIFA died before uh, college football returned. (laughs) (laughs) That's how long we've been waiting on that new college football. Uh, All right. PS Plus games have been confirmed in Callisto Protocol, Farming Simulator 22, and Weird West are all now available. And it proves that once more, uh, Bill Bill Coon has got the hookup on the leak. So if you see a leak from him, I think it's just safe to trust it. Does not miss. Does not miss. Uh, interesting, eclectic mix of games. Uh, Weird West is cool. I've been wanting to play that, so I'm glad to see that hit. Uh, next piece, Cyberpunk is final at 2.0. CD Projekt Red has indicated the next step for the series is Cyberpunk 2, a.k.a. Orion, as we currently know it, uh, being made on Unreal Engine 5 instead of their own engine. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this game lands and if they're going to get the reception they always wanted out of this game with the launch of 2. I think they've learned a lesson, but you never know. Drop the last generation of consoles for this one. This is going to be a PS6 game. Do not. Chris, I think you just muted yourself. I was talking. I didn't do it on purpose. Don't yell at me. (laughs) I didn't yell. Not you. (laughs) Um. Oh, TT dog over there. (laughs) (laughs) Chris's Um, mute counters at one. (laughs) (laughs) And you dropped the camera, Chris. You're just really batting a thousand today. Hey, man. I'll edit this all out if it's on audio only. All of it will be gone. It'll be an immaculate show. Um, Immaculate? Immaculate like recent offer from the U.S. owners where you get a free game when you purchase a new PS5 has now been changed? That was... Solid. Yeah, good segue. Sony has quietly updated the terms, and now it says the free game is, quote, invitation only, which means only selected players can redeem a free game. I'm not going to lie. This is terrible. This is terrible optics. I can't believe they did this. I I wonder if it was being exploited somehow. Maybe. Because I'm... But how? You're getting a game from the PS Store. It's not like you can get it and sell it to somebody. What I'm wondering is if there was a way to like, like, cause I think the way I was reading it was it was meant to, if you were upgrading from the PS4 to the PS5. So what I'm wondering is if they, the original intent was a brand new, fresh PS5. You don't like, if I bought another PS5 and I redeemed that game, that wouldn't work. So what I'm, what I was thinking reading this is this sounds shitty, but my bet is that it'd be like, Oh, you've just gotten a PS5 and we can tell that because you've never played a PS5 game before. Here's your code for a free game rather than, Hey, Chris, you just bought your girlfriend a PS5. Here's your code for a free game. You know, I think yeah. that's, the, that, that's the difference there. Bad optics, but logical reasoning. Oh, yeah. I think even if it's bad optics, you don't want to lose thousands of potential dollars in game sales for people that aren't technically qualifying. Right. I almost wonder if it was something as simple as you could reinitialize your PS5 and it was just viewed it as a new one was like free game. Here you go. I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Yeah, not at all. So interesting to see though. Uh, it's like you can never fully get away from this. One thing that's not really in the news, but I just want to brush up on because it was like the talk of the internet for like three days and then it disappeared is that hacker group that said that they had gotten into Sony's backend information at PlayStation and they were going to, they had all this stuff and people were freaking out and saying, this is going to be the 2011 or whatever year it was, uh, the great PSN outage and it's going to happen all over again. (laughs) And then it was never confirmed. There was never any evidence that they had actually made any real 
inside of anything, and then it just went away like a poof in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there was even a speckle of truth to that? Yeah, I bet they probably got some files, and Sony was like, yeah, we don't give a shit about these. <laughs> you know, I'd be willing to bet it wasn't customer information. It probably wasn't like anything super proprietary. They probably got like the script to Morbius and the script to Craven and like Sam <laughs> Raimi's discarded Spider-Man four, but they didn't get like the last of us three announcement trailer. You know what I mean? So I think it, it, it for me, it was probably just Sony saw what they had went, couldn't give a shit less and told them to, to fuck themselves. Like that's probably as far yeah, as I went. wonder. I saw some people trying to conspiracy theory out and say, Sony is, uh, there's a, that they got the, purchasing information from people and Sony hadn't said anything. I'm like, guys, if Sony doesn't say anything and they know that they got your customer information, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> fucked. That's not a thing. Like, don't wrong. Do you not think Sony would have done that last time had they could have? Yeah, no, they'd have exactly. been like, they'd have just been like, yeah, no, nobody, uh, nobody got anything. <laughs> what? Hackers? That's not real. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to see though. Um, it's so, you know, it, that, like that thing you shit on Twitter, uh, honor and console wars. Ugh. Like, dude, nothing that happens in console wars is honorable. First of all, everything that happens in console wars to that degree is just people trying that to do was, crazy shit to make a statement against. I have the to opposing be clear. Team. That was so catastrophically stupid. Because, because the the thing that really got me is that man was defending spoiling Spider Man two. Because someone had spoiled gameplay mechanics for Starfield. That was the whole crux of this. It's yeah. insanity. Let me see. But that's where we are, Chris. The that tweet was, I don't want to hear any of the usual suspects, PlayStation fans, complaining about select fanboys sharing Spider-Man 2 PS5 leaks and spoilers. As if y'all forgot, back in August, you hypocrites posted nothing but Starfield leaks and spoilers. I'm not going to share leaks, but I don't care about honor in console wars. Any Xbox fan mad at this is phony too. Y'all knew this would happen after what? people were do was doing to starfield weeks before its release stop catering to playstation fanboys them toxic clowns will not do the same for you i cannot stand that be the bigger man stance nah let them get what they asked for so first of all punctuate your shit and spell things right <laughs> like, yeah this is this if you're is gonna text. get up on your soapbox at least try Right. If you're going to sit here and put yourself alongside like Afghani war vets in the console war, like fucking spell it right. You know? And I think that's the thing that was, <laughs> that made me laugh. For, <laughs> I think, what did I tweet? What did I say? It was uh, Honor in the Console Wars. Veterans Day is now for the army and fanboys. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this is insane. Look, don't spoil shit. Don't spoil Starfield and don't spoil Spider Man. I got spoiled on Spider Man already. I'm pretty pissed. Oh, dude. But I'm going to be rough. honest, I'm not surprised. So I'm like, okay. Um, Fair enough. And it's not confirmed. So I'll still play it. And when what happens, happens, I'll be fine. But yeah, just don't be an asshole. This is just simple. Like, don't be an asshole. Like, why are you being an asshole? Like why? why is why is people why are people, you know, catfishing as a hot a, a hot female Xbox fanboy, and then and then spreading Spider Man two leaks. I'm sorry. Look, this might be my hottest take of all time. 
hot women who play video games have other shit to do than spoil Spider-Man because they like Xbox. That is a terminally <laughs> online man thing to do. <laughs> that only uh. men do that. I'm sorry. Women who play games are not sharing spoilers on Twitter. They're not doing it. There is no chance. You cannot convince me. Chris, I'd want to say that you're being sexist, but it sounds like you're supporting women in this. Yes. <laughs> like you're giving top marks to women. I'm saying women got better shit to do than we do, okay? <laughs> so you're being re- you're being sexist against men. <laughs> yes. What is it? We're I'm, part of that. I'm part of that class. Okay. right now. <laughs> Well, I'm a Latinx, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> no, Chris. Oh, no. I'm so mad. I'm going to beat myself up in the in the shower later. Oh, that sounded gross. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. All right. Hey, you know what? If you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment down in the comment <laughs> section right now. <laughs> Hashtag beat yourself up in the shower. <laughs> really tenderize that meat in the shower. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Chris, I, phrasing. I, I'm supporting women right now, Brett. I am the opposite of a misogynist. So, Chris, uh, we've reached the uh, junction of the episode where we have Mm. to determine, are we going to do Velvet's Corner first or the Topster first? I'm going to let you decide since it was your idea. Topster first? Velvet Corner closes out the show every week. He's a closer. Okay. We've got another game this week, uh, one that you're a little in the know on. So, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. All right. So, Chris, as we talked about, From here on out, guys, we're going to be doing uh, our top 25 games, and we're going to try and keep it relatively timely. We're going to have a fun little back and forth of seeing if we can guess each other's top five. Uh, And then we're going to kind of talk briefly on why we have each game in this top 25 list. We're going to try and keep it to where no game can be talked about for more than a minute, but ideally we're going to have like 10 seconds on each game just to give a little rundown. At the end of the day, you've either played the game and understand or you haven't, and hopefully our words can get you to maybe try something new. But Chris, do you Mm. want to try and guess mine first or would you want me to try and uh, put you in the hot seat and see if I can guess yours? I think you need to go first because I think you will have an easier time guessing mine than I will guessing yours. Your top five? Yeah. Okay. Now here's the thing about your top five. I will PayPal you on the show $20 if you get it right. 100%. Now, in just the five games or do I have to be exact order? Exact order. Okay. Uh, Confirm with me right now. Fallout 3 is number one. You already lost. <laughs> Good. Yep. Fallout 3 has been pressure. moved on. Oh, fuck off. Because you know Fallout 3 is not number one. Because <laughs> I've said it like multiple times. It's no longer my You have. Game. All right. So look, if I'm being real, mm-hmm. I still think Fallout uh, 3 is in your top five, though. I'm not. I don't think you moved on that far, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. I, I have a feeling that you're going to be a bit in the in the recency bias realm. Maybe. I think you're going to have a lot of games you've recently played be in there. So uh, not ordered yet. I- I'm going to okay. say Persona 5, uh, probably Royale. No, you don't have to. No, okay. I'm, I'm going to give you the five, and then you can confirm the five, and then I'll confirm the order, okay. and we'll see if I'm right. So I'm going right. to say Persona 5. Yeah. I have a feeling that you've moved The Witcher 3 up into this. Uh, so I think... Persona 5, probably Royal if it's if you're going to go game-specific. Uh, the Witcher 3. I'm going to say Red Dead 2 has, has eked its way up into your top five. And then it gets a little more hard to actually figure out. I feel like a Fallout game is going to be in there. Yeah. The question is, if, if it's not 3, 
I don't see how it'd be New Vegas. I know you like New Vegas, but I don't see how it'd be New Vegas over three for you. I definitely don't like New Vegas that much. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say that Fallout 3 has managed to stay in your top five, and that's going to be there. And then the last game, whew, this is I tough. D- this is the one I do not think you'll get. Because I didn't think it was here until I made this list. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Now, I'm really trying to think. Disco Elysium is kind of in my mind, but I also feel like you've not beaten that game, so I don't think you want to give it that high of marks. Correct. Do you want to, do you want to hint? Oh, if you're willing, yeah. I platinumed it last year. Oh, you platinumed and I, it. And if you need another hint, I'll give you another hint. You can't go look up my trophies, though. You just got to know what I've got in the platinum. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking. Wait, hold on. Last year? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! That's that, I think there's a lot of options year. in there because I know. Here's the thing: I don't think it's this game, even though it's an amazing game. I don't think it's the Outer Worlds. You did get the platinum in the Outer Worlds, though. So I platinumed it once in 2021 and once in 2022. So I've just given you another hint. Holy shit! You platinum it twice. Death Stranding. Is that your guess? Yes. So what's my top five? Persona 5, mm-hmm. Royale, The Witcher 3, Red Dead 2, Fallout 3, and um, what I just said, for some reason, I'm brain farting Death all Stranding. over again. Death Stranding, yeah. Okay, is that Let's the see order? How close, like, uh, oh, uh, can you confirm if the, if the games are even right? Four of them are right. Oh, okay, so <laughs> I got the last one I just guessed wrong. You did get the last one you just guessed wrong. Ooh. I don't know. The fact that you platinum it twice means that there's either a PS4 and PS5 version, which feels like a hint in and of itself. That's a hint in and of itself, yes. I'll give you... You want another version? You want another hint? Because I just want to see if you can, how long it'll take you to figure out. How many <laughs> hints does it take to get to the center of the top five? <laughs> sure. You can give me a hint if you want. <laughs> um, another game in the series came out this year. Another game in the series came out this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. There's no way it's MLB, though, because I feel like MLB no. moves every year. Like it's, it's not your, your new favorite MLB is always that year's MLB. <laughs> it's not MLB. A new Chris, you're fucking. I don't know if that's a help. It came out this year. A new Wait entry a in this series came Resident out this Evil? year. Resident Evil. Resident Evil 2 Remake. Nailed it. I forgot that you got that platinum twice, actually. Yes, I did. Yeah. All right, what's okay. the order? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I tell you the order, it'll be very obvious. <laughs> it'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a feeling that Fallout 3 is still towards the top. But because I think that you've kind of played a few things, I, I'm kind of wanting to play it safe and say that that's your third. Like it's like dead center of that's your list. Interesting choice. Okay. Yeah. It's either that or it's second. I, I know it's not your first. Commit to but, one. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to put it at two. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Oh, man, dude. Top game is wild, though, because I don't think it's RE2. If I had to put RE2 somewhere, I think RE2 Remake is your fifth. I will neither confirm nor deny. I already okay, gave you, don't you have one. To confirm. Okay, you <laughs> gave me one. Okay. 
there's a chance that The Witcher 3 has just really snuck its way in. So I'm going to be bold. I'm going to okay. be very bold. I'm going to say The Witcher 3 is your number one. Uh, then I guess I'll do Persona slightly above Red Dead. So Red Dead would be four and Persona would be three. But how do I do? Nah. Not completely ruined it besides <laughs> what you got was fall three. <laughs> All so right. my top five would be Persona 5 Royal, Fallout 3, Holy Red, Dead, shit. Yeah, Red okay. Dead Redemption 2 with The Witcher 3, Resident Evil 2. Oh, I got Resident Evil 2 as the final game. That's right. Okay, you did. So yeah. So I got two of them. Two and five. And yeah, you got it right. Yeah, two out of five. That's not too bad. That's All right, right, Chris. Uh good luck. <laughs> shit. Dude, yeah. if you if you get this, I'll send you twenty bucks. <laughs> um, Fuck, I'll send you fifty. <laughs> I know there's got to be a Kingdom Hearts game here, right? Interesting choice. Is it Kingdom Hearts two? And it's like third. I will not confirm nor deny any of that information. Fuck, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> there's a Kingdom Hearts game here, and I'm gonna go with. It's Let me not- tell you this. I think that's a reasonable train of thought. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. It's Brett. It's Brett, and I love Brett. Brett's, Brett is one of my closest friends at this point in my life. One of my closest friends, but he's a pretentious motherfucker. So <laughs> you got it. It's Kingdom Hearts: yeah. Birth by Sleep is in mm. your top five. Bold choice. I can tell you right now, you're wrong. Okay, it's Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Which I, <laughs> I think I got that title right too, which is kind it's, of the craziest it's, part. It's 358. It's 358 days over two. That was I was super close. You're not bad. Yeah, you're <laughs> not someone bad. Who's never for, played those for games. someone who doesn't play them, yeah, <laughs> it's not, super not close. Bad. Kingdom Hearts one, I think, is too old. No, but you play Kingdom Hearts one every year. Or you used to. I haven't in a while, but yes, it is the game of the series I have played the most, and for good reason. All right, it's Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is up there. Okay. You don't strike me as a one of my favorite games as Final Fantasy VII guy. Nope. You're 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 a smart man, because you're a twelve person. You're one of those assholes. Twelve is good, but uh, I'm actually going to probably blow someone's mind, and this is a really big hint for you. There was not a single Final Fantasy game in my top twenty-five. Okay, all right, and that's a series I love. Uh, do I want to say Death Stranding? I, like, I don't know. I'm going to put Death Stranding in the top five. I'll tell you this much, Chris. Uh, the f- where you are right now... Nowhere close. Uh, you are doing just as bad as I thought you would do. <laughs> <laughs> I am right about a Kingdom Hearts. You got to give me that. There is you a Kingdom right Hearts in the Kingdom top Hearts. five. There is a single Kingdom Hearts in my top 25. You're an enigma. And there's a single Kingdom Hearts in, there's a single Kingdom Hearts in my top five. You're an enigma because when we revisit this in two years, Immortals of Avium is going to be on your fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if that happens, that will blow my mind. I don't like that game. It's good. The forest. The forest is up here, isn't it? Dude. Or is it? It's in the top. It's in the top twenty-five. It, I I, I hate to it? break this news to anyone. I cut it. It was the last game that I cut, and it's going to blow your mind as to why. I was really. Let me tell you this, Chris. My list has got decades. Yeah. Okay. Our <laughs> lists are going to be very different. I can't guess yours then because I'm not. My list is varied. I have too much uh, recency bias with you. And that's just, I will that's tell all you this much. I'll tell you this much. There is one game that I know you're already, you've got, you've got one of my top five already. The order. Is that there? I would, no, it's not sh- I would okay. Cause I would have quit the show. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, you're allowed to like it, but that much. Yeesh. Yeah. So 
You've got one of mine, Chris. There was another game in this top five that I know without a doubt that if you spend two seconds just meditating to yourself about what game Brett loves, you will find the answer to in your soul. Mm-mm. Fuck, I don't know, man. How, how like, ah, do you have the platinum? Terraria's on here. That was easy. Terraria's Smart. There. Is that the uh, game you were talking I do about? Have, I do have the platinum. That is not the game I was talking about. Fuck. Is it in the top five? No. God damn it. But it is in my top 25. Terraria is a fucking banger. Oh, man. And it barely misses out, by the way. So it's six? I struggled. Well, I struggled. And I put one. I put two games before it. So it's actually, it's my eight. And it, I really struggled. I'm still debating moving it right now. But I told you, <laughs> I stopped I stopped fighting at some point. I was like, I, the, the game's made my 25. Brett, I'm going to be honest, gonna, I genuinely don't know. Just give it to me. You ready? My top yeah. five in order are Shadow of the Colossus. And I Fuck. chose Remake because I do okay. think it's the better game. I should have known uh, that one. Near Tomata comes in at number two. Oh, okay. I should have known that one. Kingdom Hearts 1 comes in at number three. Got one. Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 comes in at number four. I forgot that game. I would change my list, right? No, I wouldn't actually. My list is perfect. But <laughs> I would think I, about changing I, it. I don't think in a million years you would have guessed my number five. I don't think you would have guessed Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. I wouldn't <laughs> I knew, have. I was like, RuneScape. Dude, I almost put RuneScape in here. How is RuneScape I, not on there? To this day, dude, right now looking at this list, there is a game I'm like, RuneScape could be here, but I'm going to give you number five is Go. Silent Hill 2. It is one okay. of the best horror games of all time. And for the reasons that it is a tried and true horror game, it is not trying to mm-hmm. jump scare you. It is trying to chill you to your core with disturbing thought processes and emotional damage <laughs> i'm gonna be honest and, i don't think we've ever talked about that even when i played silent hill 2 and we talked about it a little bit months i told you maybe it's one of my favorite ago, games i didn't re- i don't remember that okay that's yeah. a respectable we a lot top it's it a respectable top it's funny because i was thinking like this would be fun maybe he guesses my next five i can't i don't fucking know how to guess yours you can guess mine that would be fun but i feel like mine is easier than yours well, I bet yeah, you no, could dude. guess my next six or my next five. I think I think that you've done really well on putting a few games that I think you know me well enough that are in my top twenty-five. Like yeah. I can tell you, Terraria is definitely in my top twenty-five. Yeah, um, near replicant would be there, right? Near replicant is in there. Yep. Yeah, um, it didn't make top five, but it's. A I still can't believe game. the forest is not there. The order is not on the list at all. It's gonna blow your mind when I tell you what game I, I had to fight myself us. over. That is exactly the game that was. I was about The Last of Us is what edged the forest out. And oh, yeah. I was kind of at war with myself because I felt like a Naughty Dog game needs to be here because I do think that there is games. But I was really thinking through like which of their two games, Uncharted 2 or The Last of Us, are going to be the game that hits this list. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot come up with a strong enough argument for Uncharted 2. I, I think it's a great game and it did a ton for the industry. Uncharted 2 went on and came off my list twice. But fun fact, there is an Uncharted game on my list. Wild. Mm-hmm. Wild indeed. Okay. And I called um, you pretentious, but that is a pretentious pick. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> my Uncharted pick, pretentious as fuck. <laughs> All right, well, Chris, let's go ahead and kind of get going on it. I'm not going to worry about guessing your six. Uh, let's do – you do your next five. I'll do my next five following you. Okay. So we'll go from we'll go from ten to five. That'll be easier. And I'm gonna put okay. the disclaimer out. I cheated, but the website let me cheat. Okay. 
Wait, what does that mean? You'll see. So, <laughs> number 10. <laughs> number 10, Grand Theft Auto 4. 4. Number okay. 9, this is where I cheated, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. <laughs> that is all three of them. <laughs> it let me do that's it, good, so that, I did it. That's a good cheat. And you know what's funny? I had the same argument with myself whenever I was looking, and I thought I could put this game in here or I could put the collection of this game. I won't say it yet because it's a little further down my list, but um I will just to clear put just to put it out there, my Mass Effect pick would be two, obviously. There's obviously. no other Mass Effect pick. <laughs> two is the Mass Effect game. Yeah. Um so after that, so this would be what, seven? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Dude I really fought with myself to put Cyberpunk on here, but I think I will probably have it in my list once I play the game again. Yeah. Once once I had the moment today at work, and it is very recency biased, but I think it counts, right? Once I had the moment today at work where I wanted to play Cyberpunk really bad, you, you have that moment where you're playing a new game, you're like, I want to go play that new game. And I had that for Cyberpunk, a game I platinumed and beat twice last year. I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a top game. <laughs> that's a yeah. tough game um yeah. so the next game would be pokemon emerald interesting mm-hmm. pokemon interesting. emerald yeah. number six can you want to guess number five i'll give you a hint i got the platinum and i talked about it a lot on this show okay um the outer worlds no it's close that's it's on my list Sekiro shadows yeah, well, die twice number six yeah that's not surprising yeah that's mm-hmm. not surprising at all yeah. Sekiro is a, a great game that I wish I uh, had as much love as everyone else has for it. But it's one of those skill. things where I can easily <laughs> see why people love it. So yeah. it's like I don't ever mind when someone's like one of the greatest games of all time. I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I get I've, it. <laughs> I've never felt better at video games than beating that game. And I say this with love. I'm talking shit about a lot of my friends on the show apparently. You know Sean and how he is. Okay? Mm-hmm. You understand. I love him. He's he, but he he's a certain type of way with games, and he cannot beat Sekiro, and I've beaten that game eight times, and that's my crowning moment because he's great at these games, and that's why is he'll always text me, he'll give me the hints, he knows the shit, and he researches the shit, but he cannot get through Sekiro, and I have done it, and I will always hold that up for him. I'll be like, oh, why don't you go beat the boss, little baby boy? You can't parry hard enough. I'll always have that. I do trust me I get it I'd rather do I say rather here's the thing I fell off of Sekiro but I never really got to a point where I was literally bashing my head against the wall but I could very easily see how you reach that point Mm -hmm. and I think right now if I had to think do I want to go do um, Defiled Amygdala or play more Sekiro I think I'd rather go do Defiled Amygdala again (laughs) oh god no I think Defile the Amygdala is one of the reasons why I do not care about a Bloodborne remake. Because I'll play a Bloodborne remake, but I don't want to do it again. So, <laughs> all right, give me. All right, your, I'll give you my uh, 10, ten through, through five. five. All right, uh, ten through six, rather. Yeah. Uh, so ten is near replicant. Everything I love about Nier Automata is present in this game. All of the mm-hmm. very interesting storytelling, the odd plays against what's right and wrong, what makes people human, is all here in a very different way. And I struggled to almost put the original American release of Nier here because I do find the father-daughter dynamic of the story in that um, original Western-changed version uh, be, to be a little stronger for me personally. And that could be a mix of just the fact that I'm a father um, and... 
I was not very close to my sister, so there's part of that. I'm not super close to either of my siblings in that kind of way, at least. Uh, but great game, and I've decided to really go with Replicant because it does fix the few gameplay problems that I think the original Nier had, and it finds a way to make that game not only a great story, which it always was, but an even better game now, which it wasn't always. So that's that's there. One of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I fought with myself hard on this next one. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be Dead Space 2, but I have landed on Dead, Dead Space, Space Remake. Remake. Nailed it. Is the it is the quintessential Dead Space game. If you have to play one, dude, I am so excited for what they could do with a two remake because of how well they treated one's remake. It's so good. It is so fucking good. I hope because we have the technology now. I hope when they remake two, the eye scene happens in oh, first dude. person. Dude, <laughs> they have we we have the technology. We can it's interesting it. though, because I feel like you do have a very visceral moment seeing it into the eye. You do from a non-first person, so it's hard to say. There's a scene that's actually kind of similar to that to when you get the eye shine in the uh, Riddick game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Escape from Butcher Bay. Great game. Also, almost made the list. <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, but number uh, number eight, as I mentioned earlier, is Terraria. I have talked at length about Terraria on the show for years. If you have not heard me spiel on it, you don't want to hear it now. If you haven't played Terraria, play it. Um, number seven goes just barely edged out in the number six position. But number seven goes to Portal 2, which I think is one of the most cleverly written and most fun and entertaining. It is probably the perfect mix of gameplay and story. It's equally as good from a story perspective as it is as a fun, crazy, don't want to put it down game. That's an immaculate Uh, pick. I'm going to give you that. It is an immaculate pick. And I really thought which one I wanted to choose here. And I landed on number six goes to the Elder Scrolls. And I really wanted to give it to Morrowind. Then I really wanted to give it to Oblivion. Daggerfall. He gave it to Daggerfall, didn't he? I gave it to Skyrim. Wow, okay. For all the problems that I think Skyrim does have, I think all of the best parts of Skyrim outweigh the problems that they introduce into the series. Skyrim does a fantastic job, a much better job, in my opinion, than Fallout 4, of making a world that feels huge, interesting, and varied, and does not feel like the majority of what's worth it is in the main storyline for me. Chris and I are a little inherently different about our feelings on Fallout 4, but um, I think Skyrim's the best blend of trying to make a very commercially viable game while still being a very RPG-driven game. All right. I like that. So, All right. So I guess here we are now. We're 15 through 10 for you. What you got? Or 15 through 11. This may be my weirdest pick. Uh, MVP Baseball 2005. Bro, that is probably the weirdest pick of the whole whole shebang from all, <laughs> all of us. No, I don't know. Roller Coaster I, Tycoon 2. <laughs> I have my, my number 25, I think will beat all of them personally. We'll find out when we get there. But MVP Baseball 2005 is the perfect baseball video game. Nice. It does everything that... It it does what MLB is introducing into the game now. The, the stadium creator, which was a huge thing. It was PS5 exclusive. You could do that shit on the PS2. Okay? <laughs> this game was steroid era baseball. Now, if you understand what that means, that means Sammy Sosa. That means Manny Mark Ramirez, Mark McGuire. 
This is the greatest baseball game of all time. Maybe second nice. greatest. There's another one on my list, believe it or not. Two baseball games on my list. So number, what number is this? Is this 14? Number 14. <clears throat> it's a, an indie game, little indie game, that actually was a very big part in the, I think, in my opinion, my estimation, a very big part in Unity reversing their decisions. Would you like to make a guess? Cult of the Lamb. Slay the Spire is number 14 on Chris's <laughs> list of I actually forgot Slay the Spire was Unity. Yeah, you're yep. right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll, dude. Yeah, if Slay the Spire didn't make your list, I'm actually, when you said I could probably guess your next five, mm-hmm. I thought that somewhere in five through ten, Slay the Spire would have been there. Slay the Spire was at three at one point. <laughs> um, so the it. next game, this should not surprise you, Brett. It is the Outer Worlds, Obsidian's uh, <laughs> classic. Magnum Opus right there. Magnum Opus. Yep. I Look, here's the thing. I think that at its best, New Vegas is better than Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. But Outer the Worlds best runs. That new, yeah, <laughs> Outer Worlds is Outer Worlds is almost as good far more often. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And then I just love, I think the thing that will always stick with me more than anything in a Fallout or in uh, any other Obsidian game is... You can't kill yourself. You'll be damaging company property. That is <laughs> the perfect distillation of what that game is, and I love it so much. Yeah, dude, I, I've never been so happy to hear you, more so than The Witcher, if I'm being honest, to mm. hear you turn around on a game. And the reason is, is that The Witcher 3 is a different RPG, and I can understand that it was different for you to get into. Yeah. But I know that you like the type of RPG that The Outer Worlds is. And yeah. so when you were saying that you thought it was a terrible game, I was like, Chris, you are just wrong. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to say it other than that. And thankfully, you have moved over to my way of thinking on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad cra- to hear. The craziest part to me is that there are what? Like one, two, three, four games on the, my top 25 that I've said on this show that I think are shit. <laughs> yep. Love that for me. <laughs> yeah, so we anyway, so The Witcher, The Outer Worlds, uh, Red Dead 2, and what's your last one? Sekiro. But I actually don't know if I was on the Se- show. But I bought Sekiro, got to the second tutorial area, and didn't play it again for five years, and then I platinumed it. <laughs> what a redemption arc. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> Miyazaki finally did it. Don't, don't get mad at me. I was joking. I like all those games. He only made one good one. So my next game is um, Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. Batman Arkham right. Asylum is the only existing perfect video game. My next pick. <laughs> and is, is, that number, is, that, is that number 13? <laughs> it is at number 13. Uh, my next pick <laughs> is also another indie game, which rivals Slay the Spire for the most time i've ever played in an indie game it is a very cozy game makes me very happy Mm. makes me sleepy sometimes but it's a wonderful video game do you have a guess on number nailed it number 11 is stardew valley yeah when stardew wasn't in your 10 i was like there's no way it's not in this next list (laughs) yeah number 11 is stardew valley yeah that was also my original top five was persona fallout slay the spire one of the games I haven't said yet, so I won't put it in there in Stardew Valley. And then things changed. <laughs> Iteration gets you, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. 
I had to, I really had to play around with mine, dude. Getting mm. to getting to a top seven that I felt comfortable with was a lot harder than I want to admit. <laughs> yeah, when I was doing this, I eventually just got to a point where I was like, I'm done, and I just turned off the site and sent you the picture. One hundred percent. I'm not even gonna lie, dude. The rest <laughs> of these, you can almost completely forget the order. My thing was, they made the top twenty five. Damn it, they got their call. <laughs> So for the sake of it, uh, my number 15 is Batman Arkham City, the yeah. actual one true perfect video game. No, it wouldn't be at 15. Yep. That's what you just said to me. <laughs> I know, Chris, but you you did it anyway. So Yeah. Freedom Look, of expression, if I have bitch. to tell you why Arkham City is a fantastic game, uh, then you'd be Chris and you'd be wrong. Um, true. Though Arkham Asylum is also a banger. But I only wanted to have one Batman game on my list. So Arkham City is what it went with. Uh, fantastic game. One of the best sequels of all time. And if Spider-Man 2 can even hit half of what Batman Arkham City was to Arkham Asylum, it will be a fucking banger game. <laughs> Chris acts like I just said Arkham Asylum was the worst game of all time. <laughs> all right, Chris. Number 14. Number 14 is a very old game that I first played at the ripe age of seven years old on oh, the PlayStation 1. Missed. Um, it is one of the most beloved games when people talk about games. It is one of the biggest reasons as to why a genre or subgenre of games exist right now. Symphony of the Night? Idea? Symphony of the Night, baby. Hell yeah. That's a good pick. Never one of the there. all-time greats. This next game, there's no way it's not going to throw you for a loop. But I have an argument here. My number 13 is Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock. And the reason is, is that Guitar Hero 3, it, it encapsulates every great thing about rhythm gaming that existed while also capitalizing on making a video game. So it's kind of like what I was talking about with <clears throat> Portal 2, where Portal 2 was like, it's got to be a great game, it's got to be fun, but it's also got to be a good story. Guitar Hero is like, it's got to be a rhythm game. It's got to be this social phenomenon, but it's also got to be a great video game and not just be about playing along with songs that's challenging. And all of the boss fights in that game where you could, the boss could like send over lefty flip mode to you and slow speed and all these different things was incredible and is the most engaging that any of those rhythm games have ever been. Killer, do killer list too. Fucking killer track list. So good. Mm. Um, next game is one of my favorite games of all time, and I cannot believe the remake has lingered in issues and problems for Prince as long as it has. No, it is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Nice. That game was, as far as I'm concerned, that game was for video games. Now, clearly there's another answer to this, but it's, in my opinion, it's a tie between Mad Max and Prince of Persia to where they did for video games what The Matrix did for movies, where suddenly everybody's like, we've got to have one of these types of mechanics in our games. And those two games were a big reason. You got either time rewind mechanics or bullet time mechanics in so many games as a result of these two games. Uh, now, Prince of Persia was the one that made the list, but great game. And I cannot wait to see a remake, hopefully done well. Uh, number 11 comes in at the actual best from software game of all time, Bloodborne. That's fair. It's wrong, but fair. Uh, yeah, Bloodborne's incredible. If you need more than that, um, I don't know what to say. Saul's not here. He can't expound for me even further, as he always would gladly do. Uh, so, Chris, let's hear your 20. Okay, I think this is where my list starts getting a little weird. <clears throat> but I think it's a great list. So this would be my pretentious Uncharted. Would you like to guess? It sounds like it has to be Uncharted 4. No. But it, if it's Uncharted 1, dude. No. Though, 
I do like Uncharted one the best out of all those games. So, so you said number, it's not Uncharted two. No, and you don't even like Uncharted three. I don't think you've even beaten it. I've never played. So it. what the hell? Oh, it's Lost Legacy, which is a fucking phenomenal game. Uncharted Lost Legacy is number twenty on my list. That is you know the what? best. I don't stories. begrudge it. And quite frankly, hot my hottest take: the best Uncharted protagonist is Chloe Fraser. <laughs> Interesting. I love Chloe, so I'm not necessarily against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I just think that that game finally found the perfect rhythm of a wider next-gen take on the Uncharted formula while not yeah. being as restrictive. Like, 4 tried, and I won't say it failed, but it didn't really succeed either. It was just a little bit more of what you were used to. But yeah, Lost Legacy is awesome. Yeah, huge fan. Um, <laughs> this is my weirdest, one of the weirder picks on my list. It's a PS2 game. Is also a baseball game, and it is MLB Slugfest 2004. Nice. Now, I don't nice. know if anyone in that. the audience has ever played MLB Slugfest. It is fucking hilarious. Okay. Yes, it is. One of the few games. I don't know if it was 03, but it was one of those, and it was a hilarious game. Oh, three. They're very fun. Oh, three is also funny, but this is the one that I have memories of. Um, and I would recommend anyone who listens to this show. Go on YouTube and search up MLB 2004 announcers because the Tim, the, the announcers in that game are genuinely the funniest shit that's ever been in a video game before. The funniest shit of all time is those games. Like Rockstar wishes that their radio commercials were that funny. Yeah, because this isn't trying. Like it's trying to be funny, but like doing it. In a way, I don't know how to explain it. Just go listen to them. They're awesome. Me and my brother still play Slugfest games to this day. Um, so this would be number 17? 19? Mm-hmm. Number 18. Number 18 on my list is a game that people either think is a 0 or a 10. And the game on my list is Deadly Premonition. Oh yeah, that's Just a that's a wild choice. I can't blame you. But that's a phenomenal choice, video game. Okay, him getting clues and talking to his coffee—incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Um, Brett, I wonder how you'll feel about the placement of this game. If you thought it would be higher or not, it's a little little bikey bike video game called Days Gone. Has been disrespected in these Sony streets. That is why Jim Ryan got fired. <laughs> Restore the Days Gone taking over. <laughs> First, quick tangent: What the fuck is with the NFT shit going on with John Garvin's new game? What the hell is this? I Have you seen it? They're giving out tokens on Twitter. Dog, drop it. I do. NFTs are literally worth zero dollars. <laughs> I, I don't get it, but I also just don't care. If the game is good, even if it has NFTs, as long as they're not like so integral like integral to the game that you have to buy them, I don't give a shit. I, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's just so cringe. That's it. It's just cringe. <laughs> anyway, speaking of not cringe, but cry, <laughs> the next game on my list is the best God of War game. Another hot take. All right, let me hear it. God of War Chains of Olympus. Dude. Chains of Olympus is a fucking banger. Here's the thing, dude. It's gonna probably it's probably gonna blow someone's mind. God of War did not make my list at all. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. And I and and I really struggled because I was going between 2018 and God of War three and then Ghost of Sparta. Here's the thing. I'm 
people can solve can solve all the shit they want and say that 2018 finally humanized Kratos. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Change of, of Olympus. One, humanized incredible. Kratos. Change of Fuck Olympus. You. Incredible. God of War two. Even that game has got plenty of redeeming moments for Kratos. Ghost of Sparta, holy shit. Three, by the time you get to three, Kratos being a monster doesn't matter, but he still gets humanized. He still gets fucking humanized from Par- uh, um, Paradox. <laughs> I'm saying the wrong name, but Pandora. Um, yeah, dude, incredible. And even the whole ending and how what he chooses to do, I, I know I'm technically not wanting to spoil a 13-year-old game, 12-year-old game. That part makes me cry. Oh, I know, dude. When, it's so good. Mm, this fucking <laughs> goddamn camera. When I played that game, I still remember it. I played it on PSP, <clears throat> and I was in my bed. And what happens at the end of that game, I started just crying. It was You didn't so want a mass circle, did you? No. And that's the only time I've ever cried in a video game. Yeah, one of the best moments of the whole series. I'm not even remotely. Oh, yeah. like, dude, it's... What and he also wants to followed do versus by some brutal shit, bro. Oh, yeah. That was Incredible. Great. Got the platinum on PS3 during COVID, I believe. Nice. All right, Brett, nice. what's your last games? What All right, so games? 20. 20. 20 for me is Hades. I talked a lot about that Ooh. game, and I need to see, I need to play more of it and finally beat it. But I think Hades, when I, whenever I was debating Hades, it was between whether I wanted Hades to be my kind of uh, roguelite Metroidvania or if I wanted Dead Cells. Dead Cells. It was and the reason. The reason that Hades won out is because ultimately Hades does every single thing that Dead Cells does right on top of having a very interesting and killer story with great performances and an interesting reason to pull forward. Which Dead you Cells have still is not so seen, fun right? that you, you keep playing. It. I haven't finished it all. The way. I mean, I've gotten through a run like you're supposed to, but I haven't done the 10 perfect runs. Yeah, that you're that's supposed the... To. Okay. Um, Just... So, yeah. But to that end, I beat Dead Cells... With zero story drive. So take for that what you will, but I think Hades just does exactly the great thing and then amplifies it more. Uh, next game is one of the best games ever made. Can't believe it just did not do well, but that's the life of the games industry, Dishonored 2. It has some of the absolute best game design. It is an incredible game. It did not get anything that I think it deserved, but what are you going to do about it? If you haven't played Dishonored 2, it's so cheap and easy to get. Uh, it's on Game Pass. You can get it on PS5 or not. You can get it on PS4, of course, but play on PS5. There's no reason not to play it. It's incredible. <clears throat> One of these days, Chris, I wonder if you'll play it. Maybe. I've, I've thought about it. Yep. Uh, this is where, so 18 for me is where I decided to land The Last of Us. Okay. Because I do think for what it did for the games industry as a whole, it brought a lot of maturity forward and it, kind of decided to take the games away from what I think a lot of PS3 games had started to become uh, and really capitalize on that. And it clearly painted the industry for the next generation. Uh, I think the entirety of the PS4 era's single-player games were very largely impacted by The Last of Us. I think that's kind of hard to argue at this point. Um, seven, or What is that, 17? Yeah. Uh, 17 or 16? No, 17. Is... The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Mm, okay. There's a reason that game has been copied so many times by so many games. And it's funny because I really do think A Link to the Past is the best one. But the one that's most recent that I really love, and I think I may like the game more despite thinking that this is the right choice for the list, is uh, it's basically A Link to the Past clone. And it's Adventure Time, The Nameless Kingdom. And it is so fucking good. 
<laughs> it is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the platinum in it, and it's yeah. That is a copied game for a reason. It's a formula that works. It's fun. I wish Zelda would return to this. They're clearly not going to. I cry alone in my room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number uh, number 16 is The Witcher 3. We've talked enough about it. Uh, I'm almost sad that I couldn't place it higher, but I couldn't in good conscience place it higher. Great game, though. Fantastic uh, game. All right, Witcher last five, quick immaculate. fire. All right, I'm they, going, they were this low in the list, so they don't need much talk. <laughs> one of mine might. I'm, going tw- I'm just going to go in regular order because that was very confusing for me to do the numbers. So number 21. Uh, Marvel Snap. I've talked a lot about Marvel Snap. I'm a huge Marvel Snap guy. It was almost higher, and I decided to take it down to the bottom, where it should be with uh, a little bit of that recency bias and a little bit of the... I think I like it. I think I play it as much as I do because my girlfriend plays it. So I have to dock some points off for uh, getting me laid points, you know? <laughs> you get some points, that so raise it's in it the top list. 25. But, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I still don't know if it's my one of my favorite games, just as a game. So, twenty that still didn't help. Twenty two. I'm I'm surprised this isn't higher. So I think you might be surprised this isn't higher. Um, and that would be Apex Legends would be number twenty two. You've but you've kind of every time you talk about Apex, it sounds like something that you used to love. It sounds like a lover that you used to love, and you're just. You wish you still did, but you remember the good times. That's like yeah. the way that I that you talk about it. That is that's basically how I feel about it. Even every time I've tried to play recently, I've been like, okay, I wish I hadn't texted Sean because I don't want to play anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where I spent so much time and you know, had it you know, my relationship with Sean probably is stronger because we played that game for 2,000 hours together over three years. You know what I mean? Um, that kind of so stuff. So what you're so. saying to me, Chris, is that Triangle Squared PlayStation podcast video game is probably one of your favorite games because our relationship wouldn't be the same without it, right? Yeah, absolutely. The All those games. My favorite game that we play together is talking about playing games together. That's my favorite <laughs> game that we share. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so number 23 on my list is... I fought between two games here in the same franchise. I only I tried to have only one of each outside of, you know, Mass Effect. I cheated, which is why Resident Evil 4 is also not on my list. Um, and it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. The old okay. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Okay. The one Great where campaign. you had to have some balls to put on that goddamn Xbox headset, plug in your Xbox Wi-Fi adapter and get going after school. <laughs> None of those things. If you had a PlayStation, um, so my notes. <laughs> I say on the podcast uh, <laughs> yeah, right. on the PlayStation podcast. I'm sorry to say, I was an Xbox guy until the PS4. Um, my number twenty four game was a game you thought would be in my top five, and it's Death Stranding. Is number twenty four. I mean, I know you love that game. If it didn't show up in your 25 at all, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I do love Death Stranding. It's a great game. My number 25 game, I think, is the weirdest game that either of us is going to pick. Okay? My number 25 game is a DS title called WarioWare Touched. Okay. That is my number 25 game. Nice. And that... That I think it's it's kind of a running theme with the bottom of my list, and that is more of a 
nostalgic game for me where I remember the biggest thing that I remember about that game is having my DS and me and my family were going on vacation and we just passed the DS around playing Warrior Wear Touch the whole time. So I love I love Warrior Wear Touch even if I only played it that one time. It was still a uh, molding game I think. oh yeah that's why runescape should be in my top 25 yeah, fucking being honest with myself play warrior but, touch yeah. it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'd still am shocked i feel like runescape should be on your list here's the thing it would immediately buck something out of the top five if i, I it almost have to you know how many hours i've put sunk in my life you know how many times how many friends i've made in that and how many friends that i've played games yeah dude that's that's just a hard game. I chose not to have any MMOs in this because Silk Road Online might show up in here somewhere. Um, but, okay, my number 21, um, similar in, in terms of era it's trying to capture to your Pokemon choice, mine is Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, uh, which I think is pretty much interchangeable with uh, Ruby. So, fantastic game. I adore it. I think it maximizes the potential and the idea behind Pokemon uh, without sacrificing too much of it like I feel like the modern entries have, and that's where I'm kind of at with it. Okay. Uh, So Alpha Sapphire, fantastic. My next game is a game I almost can't believe wasn't on yours. Okay. It falls right in line with some of my earliest games as being like such a story moment for games that I think it proves that games can be a lot more than what people sometimes think they can be. People point towards The Last of Us, and I do think The Last of Us is a good example of that. But before The Last of Us, there was Spec Ops The Line. I thought about it. I did think about it. It is a a fun game. It It is. is. It's a well-made, well-thought-out, well-designed game with good enemy encounters. It's fucking brutally hard. Um, And it has one of the most thought-provoking stories, I think, in the entire industry. I think it did, for war shooters, what it was actually aiming to do, where... I don't know if you remember that game. um, uh, Six Days of Fallujah? (laughs) No, that game is supposed to be coming. But what was the one that THQ did that was a home... Oh shit! Homeland? No. Uh, is it? Was it called? No, it's, was it called? No, it's not called Homeland. What the hell was it? Homefront. Yeah, that makes Homefront sense. was supposed to be this like crazy brutal the the human cost of war game, and I think it missed that mark. And Spec Ops: The Line is one of those games that kind of flew under a lot of people's radar that hit that fucking mark so hard. Uh, and it's a great game for it. Number twenty three for me. I really felt like I needed this game to be in here, and it is Little Big Planet two. It is everything that Little Big Planet one was and more. And I think that the idea behind that, they out Nintendo Nintendo. That's that is what happened. Say what Facts. you will about it, but they out Nintendo Nintendo and PlayStation somehow beat Nintendo to the idea of play create share. I don't know how it happened, but Sony saw Media Molecule and was like, uh, yeah. And then Nintendo later was like, damn, we got to do that with Mario. And it was smart. I don't even blame them for stealing it because it's a good idea. It is. <laughs> uh, Little Big Planet 2 is some of the most fun I've ever had. Similar to your story about WarioWare, I had nights where me, my buddy Jonathan, and my buddy Blaze were cackling in our underwear playing at 3 a.m. in the morning. I know, basketball. <laughs> With random dudes on the mic laughing and crying, doing flips and hitting each other and stealing the ball. 
some of the funniest shit I've ever done in my life and also just a well-made game. Um, brought a lot of creativity out. It was what people love about Dreams so much longer ago. Uh, 24 is a game that almost feels cliche to put on there, but I feel like it's worth putting on there. It's Journey. But here's the thing about Journey. You can't say too much about Journey because Journey is only as good as you are ignorant to what it is. Yep. The moment that you know the shtick of Journey, I feel like it loses something. But here's the other thing about Journey. I will never play that game again. Yep. 100% agree. Not because I don't think it will be good. It's still a well-made game. But what makes the game live with you and stick with you is the experience of going through it and the discovery that comes alongside that. I don't think you can re- you can replicate it. No, I've, so. no, I've... Ironically, the only time I've ever played it again... This is actually kind of weird given what the game is. But the only time I, I played that game... The second time I played that game... Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit. Was with my my brother and this girl we used to hang out with. And she OD'd like a year, two years later, which is a little weird given that was the last time I saw her. We played fucking Journey and then she passed away. So, Wow. That feels... uh, Yeah. Yeah. I will definitely never play Journey again. (laughs) Can't blame you on that one. Oh, man. Uh, All right. Number 25 for me is a game I talk about all the time in passing, and people probably wouldn't expect to be in my top games of all time. But it is, and it is Tony Hawk's Underground. Good call. It is a fucking genre-defining game. It is one of those games that just lives throughout my childhood. I think about kickflip McTwisting over a helicopter at least (laughs) once a day. I'm not even lying. it was so, it felt like watching what people probably feel like when they're watching Marvel movies now on PS2 as a kid. I felt like I was watching a superhero, but it was me. I was doing it. <laughs> and then that bastard, that bastard had the gall to say it was him. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric Sparrow. Fuck you. Is that the, uh, Men think about the Roman Empire once a day for gamers. Yes, yeah. I think of, I think about kickflip and twisting the the helicopter. Once a day. And, and, Do you think about the Roman Empire once Eric a day? Eric Sparrow. Uh, probably not once a day, but I often find myself thinking about the Roman Empire. I won't lie. Yeah, it's very important. It's clearly a man-driven thing. Like whenever that came up, I was like, I mean, it's probably not every day, but yeah, I mean, like three times a week minimum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I've never thought about the Roman Empire. No, I, dude. I, but here's the thing. I'm, I like history. I but like I have, a lot of games and stuff that okay. are around Greek and Roman mythology, which naturally drives you to think about the Roman uh, Empire. Gladiator's a fucking balls-out banger movie. Never seen it. That's my uh, biggest Bro, impression. What? <laughs> <laughs> Watch Gladiator. It's so, it still holds up. It's okay. so good. That blows my mind. Well, Chris, we are at the end of our Topster 25 list, and that means it's time to go into the sexiest part of the show. Are you ready? Yeah, quick question for you. Gotcha. Uh, What game off your list would you most want me to play? Oh, dude, good question. If I had to say one, I don't want to give you a game I don't think you're going to like. That's first and foremost. Appreciate that. Um, So off of my list that I don't think you've actually played, 
That way, that's where we get weird. I feel like you've played most of the list, right? Solid amount. Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, that's my number one there. game. Yeah, is the game that you need to. And I say this with love. You need to fucking finish Silent Hill too, but I won't <laughs> begrudge you if you want to wait for the remake. Assuming that they handle it right, I'll play it on PS3. I'll do it. Fuck it. I'll do it. Go for it. All right, bet. All right, there we go. Yeah, but Chris, I, I mean it. Play Shadow of the Colossus. I'll play it. I have it downloaded. I think I downloaded it a while ago. I'll do it. Dude, I <laughs> feel strongly that it's right up your alley. If okay. I'm wrong, I'm going to be very disappointed in myself. I will I will try Shadow of the Colossus for you. What game off your list that I haven't played should I? I mean, there's the obvious one. Yeah, what right? is it? It's Persona 5 Royal. That is the obvious pick. Both yeah, of our number no. ones. But I also don't think there's any other game on my list that you haven't played. That you think I'd be likely to play? Because I mean, I haven't played that baseball game. I played Slugfest. Well, yeah. I mean, if you baseball is a PS2 game, I wouldn't expect you to play that <laughs> nowadays. But I think for the most part, you've played all of them. If, if Deadly Premonition, I would say. If you were like, I'll play Deadly Premonition, I would play it again just to do a spoiler chat. It's that yeah, good. I've 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 played it at a friend's yeah. house for a grand total of about thirty five minutes. Oh, Deadly Premonition, man! I know I know a lot about it, but I've not beaten it or played it through a considerable chunk either it's of those things. You know? Such a good game. Persona Five, I think, is the game on here that if you just shut the fuck up and played the game, you would like it. You're because probably right. There are it's. I have. If I started rarely, it now, I'd still be saying I'm playing it next February. That's fine. Play the fucking game. <laughs> it's a free platinum. You don't need to look up a guide. So there's one fucking roadblock out of the way for you. <laughs> I don't think it's a free platinum just because I don't have to look up a guide, Chris. <laughs> well, you just have to beat the game, pretty much. I mean, good on you for trying to sell the game. I get it. <laughs> No, it's a free like, platinum. It, I mean, look, it's hard to fuck it up. Do all the social links. That's it. Um, Marvel Snap is also on that list, but I wouldn't want you to play Marvel Snap for like one session. Like, if you were going to play Marvel Snap, I'd be like, get into Marvel Snap, and like, like you actually, have to basically religiously play it for a few months. I wouldn't even say like religiously, but I would say like. You know, get to the higher end decks, like, you know, get through the collection levels a little bit before you give up kind of thing. And I don't, that's fair. I know for a fact, I know you, you're not going to put the time in, even if I tell you it's good because you won't play Persona 5, which is a 10. My favorite game of all time and the co host of the podcast I do it won't, won't even touch it. Keep in mind, until last year, it was a fucking PlayStation exclusive. So he had hey. a job obligation to play it and refused to play it. Listen, Chris, my number two game on my list, you fucking hate. What, what was it again? Was on me again? Near Automata. I fucking played it because he asked me to. You don't even get to play that I card. I asked if you, you wanted it to. No, it was and your you turn said to pick. Yes. And I said, fine, but I refused to buy it. So you bought it on PS3. That is true. I held my end of the bargain up. You did. Which I guess you would do the same for Persona if I needed you to. But I already own two editions, you motherfucker. You want to play the PS4 All version right. or the PS5 version? It's there. Listen, Chris, it is time, Okay. It, stop yelling at me and instead get sexy. That part of getting sexy, don't you like Only by my wife. Oh, okay. Hold on. That <clears throat> down, 
Brett, take out the trash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that a hot dog in my pants? <laughs> why didn't she? Why didn't you clean the drain of the kitchen sink? <laughs> you forgot to put the water up. Because <laughs> you fix the toilet, Ooh. the toilet's running. You always forget to check the toilet when you stop pooping. <laughs> What's the <laughs> the question from Velvet's Corner? <laughs> uh, this week's game is called Quotal Recall. Oh, okay. That sounds He's sexual. killing it with these names. Uh, I've collected some quotes from previous podcast episodes. You get one point for guessing who said the quote and one point for guessing what game they were talking about at the time. You will be going head-to-head on this one, and the loser must play the Callisto Protocol DLC. Good luck, gentlemen. Uh, fine. I'm okay. Here this we are, Chris. the most okay I've ever been with a, a wager for Velvet's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> quote number one all right would someone not be divorced today if you sped up the animation for <laughs> opening read <laughs> 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 again Dude, this is this is so good would someone not be divorced today if you sped up the animation for opening drawers? This was Chris about Red Dead 2, and 100%. I know it. We're full on in agreement. That was me. <laughs> it sounds like one of my here's, dumbass analogies. Here's the thing, Velvet. I know that we talked about going head-to-head would probably be better if we disagreed, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you have chose banger quotes like this, this is going to be a fun segment specifically just to hear dumb shit out of context. That's why I loved the idea so much. I'm like, that's awesome. Go through and do it. Dude, out of context, that is one of the funniest things I have ever read. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can we confirm? Is it me in Red Dead? I know Answer, it has to be Red Chris, Dead. Red Dead 2, episode 272. <laughs> I'm going to need that list so I can go back and hear that quote. In just 52 episodes, Chris has become a Red Dead advocate. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it took. Holy fuck. (laughs) Chris, we both got a point. We we both got two points. Do you realize that one year, exactly one year from this episode, (laughs) I was talking shit about Red Dead 2? (laughs) Yep, that sounds right. <laughs> the episode where I said Red Dead 3 is my number three game of all time. Exactly one year ago, somebody... <laughs> I don't even understand where that quote comes from. Chris, I, I almost wish you still hated Red Dead 2 so we could make a shirt <laughs> that just said, quote, would someone not be divorced today <laughs> if you'd sped up the animation for opening drawers? <laughs> I would still wear that shirt, which is a picture of Arthur opening a drawer <laughs> in the back of it. No, so that's on the front, and then the back is just Dutch uh, Dutch being like, open the drawer! <laughs> Arthur's like, I'm trying, Dutch! <laughs> my big boot, the clapping of my big booty cheeks alerted the Driscolls. <laughs> All right, quote number two. If... <laughs> Oh, it feels. <laughs> oh no! It feels like you're Charles Darwin out there. That's you. It's got to be you. This feels like me talking about that game from the creator of Rayman, where you play as the uh, the ape and you evolve yeah, through. I can't. Exactly I can't think of the thinking. name of the game right now. I think it was uh, Humankind or no? That's a different game. I don't know. Ancestry. Yeah. Ancestry. And ancestor. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Brett, 
Pokemon Arceus, episode 266. That is correct. I did say that. Because one th- one of the things I love about Arceus is the feeling that of all the Pokemon games that have been telling me since I was six that I'm supposed to go out there and discover the wide world of Pokemon, all I do is battle one, and then I know everything about the Pokemon in one. <laughs> and because this computer already knew it all, basically, is what it was. And so RCS finally realized the potential of Pokemon being like, a, go out and discover the world. That's a good quote. I, I like that. That's a good quote. Read the quote so, again. Uh, it feels like you're Charles Darwin out there. Okay, so you thought it was good. me as well. I did, uh, but we were, we were. I was wrong on the game. Both of us were. So we both got a point. Yep, we'll take Chris. It. Do you realize there's a really high potential that we both have to play the Callisto Protocol DLC? That's fine. <laughs> Which means, All right. The more annoying part is I have to download it and put and a disc fair. in. Fuck, I have to put a disc in. All right. <laughs> Quote number three. Okay. Nothing feels as good. You should take this as a compliment as seeing you prove yourself so fucking wrong again and again. That was you. That is clearly me. Has to be. And it has to be about you. But here's It's the about answer. Red Dead, Are Witcher, you- or Outer Worlds. It's one of those three. That's the thing. I feel like he may have gone a little deeper cut. But he also may be trying to, because right now he's kind of going 272, 266. He may be talking about one a little more recent, which would be Red Dead. Because that's, oh no, actually, Witcher is the most recent Witcher's game of the those most three. Recent. I'm going to go deep cut and say Outer Worlds. I'm saying, I'm saying Witcher. Uh, let's find out. Brett, Witcher 3, episode 313. Chris, you have taken the lead. And yes. it was exactly what I thought. It's, it's a newer episode. Yeah. Ooh. Chris, you should take that as a compliment. <laughs> I'm taking that as a compliment. <laughs> Quote number four. You're going through this like really intense battle and then this crazy thing happens that's going to kill you. And he does a backflip off the wall for no fucking reason. <laughs> I think me, Resident Evil 4. <laughs> that's me, it's Resident Evil 4 because I know exactly the scene that I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely you and definitely Resident Evil. Oh. Chris, Resident Evil 4, episode 302. Chris, you were still one up on me. Quote number five. Quote number five. Like seven foot tall, huge boobs, and then like the most (laughs) ripped eight pack I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. Um, I'm going to go with you. But I. Seven foot tall, huge boobs. And then, like the most ripped eight pack. It's, okay, I got it. It's you talking about life. Conan Exiles. Because right. we were talking about my character when I made her the naked chick <laughs> <laughs> with the gigantic tits, and she was eighty feet tall. It's that. It's you talking about Conan. Unfortunately, Chris, I agree with you entirely. <laughs> Brett Conan Exiles episode two eighty one nailed it. <laughs> Dude, out of context, these are the greatest. It's so funny. Quote number six. <laughs> I've been breeding gorillas for two days and it hasn't happened. <laughs> it's me and it's talking about let's build a zoo. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it was when you were in that weird let's build a zoo kick. Great game. <laughs> Did you ever get the platinum? No, it's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Do you remember the conversation we had about whether or not you could have the rabbit pin be beside so that you could just keep <laughs> yeah. feeding? Yeah. Oh, it's Chris. Let's build a zoo episode 292. <laughs> oh, I got to see if I can get the edge on Chris. 
Quote number seven. I don't understand why there's this gigantic titted witch on the thing. <laughs> that sounds like you. Oh, man. Mm. That's hard because it would. I don't know the gigantic game that would be about. titted witch on the thing. <laughs> Very descriptive. Um, I don't know. I'm blanking on this one. This is what your chance to take had the lead. a witch. I'm going to go with you, but I don't know the game. This sounds like me it thinking does. through. I can definitely hear myself say this. But for me to get the point, I've got to guess the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of what game had a gigantic titted witch. And was it, am I saying, I don't understand why it was on like the cover or something because it wasn't actually in the game. Gigantic titted witch. Dude, I I have zero clue. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Part of one. me wants to say um, nobody saves the world. Just because it feels like something weird that would be in that game. I don't think I don't there's think any that's actually the answer. Big titty witches. Um, in that one. Hold on. This is where knowledge on something would actually help. I, I may be completely wrong here. Isn't there? Um, and this would switch it for me, which may not be where it's at. But here's the thing, Chris. As much as I can see myself saying that, I could see you saying this as well. That's the problem. The thing is, I think, I think we have two different speaking styles, and I think I would have said that much more descriptively. Not even <laughs> shit talking you, but I think I would have done it for the comedy. <laughs> you might have, but isn't what isn't there like a really big titted witch that's part of One Piece somehow, some way? You're right. It's me talking about One Piece Odyssey. <laughs> So fuck, now we agree. Damn it. Yeah, it's me talking about One Piece Odyssey. Because, yeah, Odyssey was a game that came out like late last year, right? Yeah, because I was saying I didn't know the character, so I had to stop playing the game. And there's the, <laughs> yeah. the only character I I knew was the giant titted witch <laughs> titty who witch. shows up. Yep, it's, it's me talking about One Piece Odyssey. One Piece Odyssey. Okay, let's find out. Chris, One Piece Odyssey episode 291. <laughs> I still can't Quote play number that eight. Game is a short one. Holy oh, okay. shit. Okay, let's find out. <clears throat> you are a sa- <laughs> you are a saucy little gnome. <laughs> That's you talking it's about Baldur's Gate 3. me talking about Baldur's Gate 3, yeah. <laughs> Brett, Baldur's Gate 3, episode 320. <laughs> this is great. Do this every week. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Quote number nine. <clears throat> She is straight up made for foot fetishists. This is Chris, uh-huh. and I'm not going to say anything else until you say something. I will not give my answer until you give yours. I remember saying it. That's the problem, but I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what I said it about. Oh, oh, Street Fighter Six. Damn it. I was really hoping you wouldn't remember it. <laughs> but it is definitely you talking about <laughs> Street Fighter Six, uh, Chris, Street Fighter Six, episode 309. <laughs> all right quote number 10 the final quote of the show where i can potentially win back if i'm at all lucky enough no you would just tie <laughs> you can't win. yeah i would tie. Only that's tie. fine yeah. well, no if you guess the wrong person and the wrong game i can get two points so what you're saying is i should just abstain <laughs> <laughs> Play for the tie 
Quote number 10 is, you want to feel that tension of like, she could kick my ass at any moment. I think I know what this is. <laughs> I abstain. I don't remember. This feels like me or you. It feels like you. No, it feels like me. Lock your answer and then I'll give you mine. Uh, my answer is I don't remember. <laughs> so what does that mean? That means I don't lose our game of points. So I just uh, Chris, you know this is going to make me win if you don't give anything. What? You're up by one point. If I get both the who said it and the game right, if I get it right, I'm pretty sure I know who this is and what it's about. If I get it right, I'll be up by one point. No, you'll tie. No, you're up. You get one point for the person and one point for the game. If you don't guess on either, you're only up by one point. I will right. get two points. I'll just go with the 50-50. So read it again for me. You want to feel that tension of like she could kick my ass at any moment. I'm going to go with you. Okay. Do you have any idea on game just out of curiosity at this point? No. All right. So you're locked in, right? Yeah, it's you. It is me, and I am 99% sure this is about Lilith and Diablo 4. Yeah, I can see that. No, I'm okay. <clears throat> the moment of truth is here. You ready? Yep. Brett, Diablo 4, episode 309. Oh, the same episode that you said the Street Fighter thing. Hell yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> We were, I think it was in the same conversation. We were talking about <laughs> women in video games. Oh, shit. <laughs> so we tie, right? We tie. Hell so, Chris, yeah. um, I guess we've got to play the uh, the DLC for <laughs> the Calypso. All right, I'll message Blake that he also has to play it, and then we can just do it. <laughs> we can chats. do a revisioning of the spoiler chance. Yeah. Oh, Velvet. Thank you. I want you to know was, I did not expect to lose it immediately to would someone not be divorced today if you had sped up the animation for opening drawers. And uh, that is genuinely great. I, I will say I'm surprised at one thing. Yeah. And I am surprised that he didn't throw the curveball of curveballs and one of these answers was Saul. <laughs> I think he probably would have considered that to not be too fair. It uh, wouldn't be fair because I would have no fucking clue. But that would have been a curveball. <laughs> that would have been so funny because I would have probably won that one. Oh, I know most of I know most of Saul's quote like quoted things because much like you were talking, I think of the three of us, Saul may have the most distinct way of talking. <laughs> the he way he would have chosen does. to word this would have been uh, very over the top. Saul, on any if you're of these listening, things. I'd like you to. Take the first quote and say it however the fuck you would say that. And Brett, I need you to say it however you would say it. That'll be the new so intro for the show. So, Chris, what do you think the best quote of this entire thing is? If, you, if we had to again. choose one. Can you read them again? Right. Give us a recap. Would someone not be divorced today if you'd sped up the animation for opening drawers? I need to hear the context. I'm going to listen to that after this. So that's episode 272 for your records. Thank you. It feels like you're Charles Darwin out there. <laughs> yeah, it's solid. <laughs> Nothing feels as good. You should take this as a compliment as seeing you prove yourself so fucking wrong again and again. <sighs> I'm partial to that one. <laughs> that one's good in context, but I don't think out of context it's as funny. 
you're going through this like really intense battle and then this crazy thing happens that's going to kill you and he does a backflip off the wall for no fucking reason. <laughs> so it's a John Woo movie. Um, Basically. Like seven foot tall, huge boobs, and then like the most ripped eight pack I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay, that one, that one's tied with the first one for now. I was, say, I was thinking the same, yeah. <laughs> I've been breeding gorillas for two days, and it hasn't happened. <laughs> that one's the best without context, because that one just sounds insane. <laughs> I don't know. Does that really sound more insane than if they'd sped up the animation for opening drawers? <laughs> like Maybe Chris was funniest. I even understand what you mean, and that <laughs> is kind of an obnoxious part of Red Dead Two. But it's yeah. also like the most insane thing to say. <laughs> I just want to know why I said it that way more than anything I think, else. I think the reason you said it that way is because as we've talked about. Sometimes you not liking games just becomes a meme and you just start <laughs> yeah. playing into it. And it's not yeah. even about you not liking the game anymore. It's just finding some way you can say something to rile someone up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very it. true. That's very true. I, <clears throat> I don't understand why there's just a gigantic titted witch on the thing. <laughs> um, this one's pretty good. You are, you are a saucy little gnome. <laughs> That one is really good. I would get that on a shirt. I'm going to go call my wife that when we get done in here. (laughs) Just to see what the response is, I'll let you know. Next week's episode is being delayed because Brett is getting divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quote number nine, she is straight up made for foot fetishes. (laughs) That one's pretty good. I'm going to be honest, that one's solid. And the final quote, you want to feel that tension of like, she could kick my ass at any moment. (laughs) It's got to be number one. Number one. I, I, I got to agree with you. Something about number one just hits. But a very close tie for me is the most ripped eight pack I've ever seen in my life. I think it's it's number one and it's the gorillas <clears throat> one. Those are the two for me that. Gorillas is also really good. Uh, Velvet, thank you for an excellent game. Quotal recall, everyone. Keep killing it with these name puns. I love this. This Uh, Great game. Uh, Good way to come back. Uh, I guess we'll be playing the Callisto Protocol DLC. Uh, The luck that you wished us was not well. I I guess either we both got lucky because we're both having to play. (laughs) Here's the thing. We tied, so we both won. So don't neither of us have to play it? Yeah, but neither of us won. We tied. Velvet. You you listen. You're the judge. Velvet decides. Tell yeah. Brett what we have to do. This is your game. So you tell us who plays it, if anybody. Which, I mean, clearly it's either both of us or none of us <laughs> at this point. Uh, all right. Well, we Chris, we may not have disagreed a whole lot, uh, but that was a fun walk down memory lane. So I can't yeah. wait to see what you come up with for next week, Velvet. We appreciate you. Glad that you helped us do this Velvet's Corner. So we're going to round off the sexiest part of the show. And Chris, yeah, um, what are we thinking for the uh, community's take? Do you think we want to go back towards uh, people, how people are feeling, kind of over Sony and the uh, very out there in the news trouble that Naughty Dog's having, and whether or not that's causing fear for the games as a service? Do you want no, to talk I, about feel, I feel like Jim we've Ryan had that conversation. Or? 
I feel That's like, fair. Let's go with uh, how do you feel about Jim? Give us a grade for Jim Ryan's tenure. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, how have you felt about Jim Ryan as he's gone along? All right, Chris. Well, thanks for joining me as always. Uh, thanks for joining me and saying some of the stupidest shit every episode so that that game can happen. Uh, <laughs> undoubtedly, I like to think that somewhere in this episode we've given a banger quote that we will one day hear. I almost want to start going back and listening to the episodes now just to hear what crazy shit has come out of our mouths. <laughs> I don't I'm normally to do that. I have to know. <laughs> I have to know why yeah. i said it yeah you were really on one you were really railing against the, the game that day um, <laughs> probably so yeah i'd be curious to see what you think about it but thanks everybody if you want to support the show with more than just your time uh then head over to patreon.com slash nartech give as little as a dollar per month if you want to be part of the community's take head over to our social media sites where you can find us on twitter or at least uh what was formerly known as twitter x at triangle sqrd you can find us in the facebook group triangle square to playstation podcast or you can click the link down in the description below whether you're watching on youtube or listening on podcast services to jump into the discord where you can join me and many of the other listeners listeners, uh, as well as Chris, in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment conversations. We hope to see you there. But if that's not your speed, we understand. Uh, We'll be back next week for episode uh, 325, Chris. We're flying through them. Excuse me. So, without further ado, for our patrons who have done so much to help support the show and keep it going without us sticking to our own pocket, we always shout them out at the end of the episode as a thank you. So... To that end, we'd like to shout out Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Biliobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santaru. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week.